Welcome to our brand new show It's not that complicated so listen close We'll go through IMDB Reviewing all of Tom Hanks movies Hanks Bank, Hanks Bank Hanks Bank, Hanks Bank Hanks Bank, Hanks Bank Hanks Bank We start this week, Jamie, with a friend's fort this is from friend of the show I love Patricia you so energetically and then look down at your phone and pause I'm sorry I didn't memorise it I apologise unlike you I'm not a professional friend of the show Patricia writes in to say I literally just started the new Hanks Bank and Jamie fucked up oh, the quote from Metal yes. Gear Solid 4 <laughs> is war has changed war has changed yeah hashtag fake gamer girl uh, this is Patricia who wrote <laughs> in about the <laughs> Uh, the Venus or Blastoise uh, mix up earlier in the show. Uh, and she also writes in to say, I'm starting to believe that Jamie is a pro Trump MAGA head <laughs> with how often he says cuck. Okay. Um, I would like to say uh, Patricia was not the only person to call me out for the, getting that wrong. Uh, friend of the show and uh, listener of the show, Bennett, also messaged me to say, you fucking idiot. You literally said the opposite of it. Uh, so anyone who, uh, yeah, last week we had a little um, opening with War Never Changes. Uh, you said it was from Fallout. Uh, I said it was from uh, Metal Gear Solid 4. And yes, as Patricia points out, uh, the, the quote from Metal Gear Solid 4 is quite literally, war has changed. <laughs> literally the opposite meaning, um, I've got no defense really, I fucked up. They're right. But if we're doing friends' sports, I also have a friends' sports. And this one's going to attack you, you dick. <laughs> uh, from friend of the show, um, Lucy. Sure. Uh, you obviously every week on the show, Alexander. Every week. Every week. Every week. You tell people to steal their friends' phones yeah. and to download all the episodes. That's why we had a load of downloads last no, week. No, 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 no. <laughs> Lucy's phone was actually stolen this week. And she's come to the conclusion that the obvious reason why that happened was someone was stealing her phone to download all the Hanks Bank episodes. But you've never told people to give them back the person's phone. Uh, and therefore, she says, uh, concludes that uh, you owe her £800. I mean, <laughs> Lucy, what I owe you is an apology. Uh... You know, look, can I accept guilt for this? Let me with consult with my lawyers one second. No, very sorry. I will start adding in. Don't, I say steal with, in the same way Jamie says cut, okay? Right? Are you trying to reclaim steal? Exactly, all right. Um, I mean, borrow and give back. Yes, Don't steal yes, people's phones. Yes. Theft is bad. You're, you're opening yourself to a whole bunch of legal litigation if you uh, if you don't clarify your opinion here, Al. Uh, so going forward, please do not recommend people have their phones stolen uh, because Lucy's very sad. True, true. <laughs> or conversely, Lucy, you've got to get in on this. Start stealing other, other people's, people's phones, phones, all right? We and tell so, you every week. And just scream back, a podcast, tell me to do it. Oh, but Al, what are we doing? here we're obviously forgetting something hello and welcome to hanks bank the show where we chronologically review tom hanks's entire imdb i'm jamie loxon and with me as always is my co-host al gillespie say hello al gillespie hello al gillespie that's right i'm back saying things in the way they're meant to be said <laughs> we're through husky voice we're through sexy voice al and we're back to regular whiny little bitch al, all right <laughs> no i'm the small boy bitch that's boy of true this podcast okay apologies we're Back to real man, Al. <laughs> oh, how are you this week, Al? Done anything fun? Mm. 
had like a very busy week as yeah. uh, my partner Alyssa, for long time listeners of the show, will know. Um, her she's from Canada, and her family came over, which was very good fun. And we went to many many restaurants um, and many kind of nights out, which is great. And uh, but during this, in the midst of an already very busy week. Uh, apart from me and you playing uh, Phoenix Wright Ace Detective, which yes. was yeah, a time, <laughs> sure. Uh, I also went to a work karaoke, Ooh. which uh, was bold. Uh, you know, there was definitely uh, some no scrubs. Yeah. Some, um, and as someone uh, who sits across from you um, and uh, you occasionally for our mic test do sing, yeah. um, I hope you wouldn't be offended or nor would I be mischaracterizing you as... Let's say a subpar to average singer. Wow! <laughs> wow! I'm, I'm not. I saying, would be offended. I'm not saying you're bad, but you'd never. You you know Celine Dion. Let's put that out there. I don't know why that was Jamie, the first name that came to mind. I've got a real maybe Canada. I've, I've got a real question. Have you ever been to karaoke? How good no. is the quality of your karaoke, oh, Jamie? No. no, as someone who is also very much in that subpar to average. Uh, singing quality I avoid karaoke's like the plague because no one no one wants to hear someone be okay at a song karaoke's are good for people that do joke dumb songs and are very bad at them or people who are actually kind of good and you're like ah damn I sit right in the middle and that's why I don't sit in rooms where karaoke's I'll have you know the next day when someone went how did it go uh the general consensus was I sang really well. Oh, what did you say? So thank you for Jamie. I I uh, both did, uh, I did one jokey one, which oh, was which a rendition was? of uh, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. Oh, good. Uh, and one uh, depressing one, but people needed a break uh, for American <laughs> Pie, which a great song. I thought there'd be more singing along to, but no, that just came out depressing that time. So. Oh, good. <laughs> but people liked it. So, you know, it wasn't too bad, but that's my week. All right. Yeah. Apparently I'm a subpar to average <laughs> singer. I Jesus, know. as a choir boy, as a as a child taken to church every fucking weekend, that hurts, Jamie. <laughs> that hurts. Why oh. did I give my Sundays to God other than for apparently a subpar to average voice? <laughs> oh, it might be the return of apology letters next week. Uh, don't ask me how my week is. I'm not actually being offended that you haven't. Don't ask me because nothing happened. Sure. So what do we do here, Al? Of course, we're the show that chronologically reviews Tom Hanks' entire IMDb and also the show that uh, slowly erodes in our friendship. Yeah. But that's not all we do. Of course, we didn't talk about it last week because we had a lot to talk about. We've got quite a lot to talk about this week. So I'm going to plough through it. Aliens have invaded. Ah! Ah! Scary! Uh, they, we were on a trampoline, bounced along the street. We b- bounced up and suddenly we start, got hit by a tractor beam. I was going to... I'm really not powering through this. We got met by a tractor beam. They spoke Swagheely. You understood Swagheely. I didn't. Mm. Uh, so they explained it all to you. Look. Flomatron 8, a planet in the United States of space, has decided to leave the United States of space in a process called Flexit. Trayvon Trameron, the small boy, bitch boy leader of uh, Flexit, flexed his guns and said, we out, bitches. We out! Start uh, Article 42 or something like that. Um, no, Article 66. 40. Article 66, whatever. Um, to start the process of Flexit. But that process is going pretty slowly, but they're looking for someone to replace them. We're like, sweet, we can do that. What are we going to do? They said, prove your worth to join the United States space. Mm-hmm. We're like, cool. Uh, that's pretty vague. Uh, I guess we'll show you, like, our best human to show like what we can create and they're like great who's that we were like uh tom hanks that'll do um okay cool can you show us some of his films uh he's got quite a lot of them we, we quickly scrolled through imdb shit i haven't heard of most of these um we can't show you all of them most of them are shit so um we'll watch give, them all we'll watch them all give us a minute they were a bit like 
Okay. You just chose the greatest humor. You don't even know all of its works. Like, what the fuck? And we're like, no, we do. We just want to like double check. Yeah, yeah don't um, worry. Don't worry. We've Can we got get this. an extension yeah. on this, please? Yeah, we asked for a two-year extension, and they were like, "Yeah, that's fine," uh, because they actually care about uh, the people on Earth rather yeah, yeah. than uh, you know. Yeah, uh, um, uh, and also, I think Keely, um, they will blow up the planets that they deem not worthy. So this is really a life or death situation. But we were like, "Cool, we'll go yeah, away. Yeah. We're going to chronologically review Tom Hanks' entire IMDb and decide whether they go in the Hanks Bank, the collection of films or TV shows that we're going to show to the aliens to prove our worth and to join." the United States of Space. I hope to any new listeners who may have uh, joined us because you, you've you seen You've Got Mail, you like You've Got Mail, you'd love a bit of Meg Ryan, you thought you'd hop in. I hope that has made you slightly less confused. Yeah, I think we also forgot uh, the most important thing, which of course is that, this is by the by, I'm going to just real quick, uh, Tom Hanks is possessed by the ghost of Warren G. No! And that's happened since he was a small child. No! Fun I, fact! Look, look, we are now fun having fact. diverging universes. Hey, it's the same universe. That's just a fun fact about Tom Hanks. No. Everything else is outside of his purview. Um, uh, so if, yes, you wanna, you if you want it. more elaboration on that, listen to our Halloween episode. If you want to know sure. which one our Halloween episode is, I don't know either. <laughs> which one did we decide was our Halloween episode? Journey to the Moon. Uh, maybe. From Earth to Space. From Earth to the Moon? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, if you want to listen to that one, it's one of our lesser listened to episodes, wow. so go for wow. it. Wow. Not just that you're a fake gamer girl, Jamie, you're also a fake Hanks Bank girl, <laughs> alright? Fake oh. fan. Oh, if you want to discuss fake Hanks Bank girls, I'm going to have some words for our guests later in this show. Um, so yeah, we're reviewing You've Got Mail this week. Stick around for later in the show. Uh, it is your partner, Alyssa's favourite show, and so she will be joining yes, us. it is her favourite Favourite show, favourite movie. Um, so she will be joining us uh, for the rankings at the end. Uh, but before we get into that, we of course every week do our historical context and our film context. We give you a little bit of uh, context about what was happening in the world when this film was released. And then we give you a few little more fun facts about the plot of the movie and uh, who was in it. You know, some behind the scenes top tips. I don't know. Uh, whatever. You're doing historical context this week, Al. What can you tell me? When did this movie come out? So, 1998, uh, yeah. which is the same year, of course, as Saving Private Ryan. Are these maybe the two di- most divergent movies one man can release in the same <laughs> yeah. year? Uh, yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, as such, Jamie touched on lots of things in 1998. Last year, I did January to June, I believe. Yeah, I'm going to keep this nice and short and sweet. I'm going to talk a little bit about kind of uh, this came out in December, so a little bit about the December period. And I'm also going to talk a little bit about AOL. December, what fun oh, stuff yeah, we happened? Should, we should, uh, sorry, what we normally do before we plow into these things is uh, give a little plot summary for anyone who doesn't know. Yeah. You've got mail. Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks meet in an AOL chat room uh, and start uh, hitting it off without sharing any personal details. In the real world, it turns out they're actually uh, business rivals uh, as she owns an independent bookstore and he owns a big uh, business conglomerate similar to Barnes and Nobles or Waterstones um, that is trying to put her out of business by opening up round the corner. That's the concept of this film. To give people a little bit more reason yeah. why you're going to talk about AOL. Sure. Uh, so, uh, fun stuff in the US. You know how we talked about uh, Bill Clinton getting... Uh, getting his dick sucked? Oh, oh, oh but, but hey, we talked about him getting elected, all right? I don't think we specifically <laughs> talked about whether I think or I not de- he I, had I think I definitely brought I up the Monica Lewinsky scandal earlier. I think the important thing to know, guys and women, don't have sex with your people who work for you. That's a bad idea. Don't I, do I it. I thought you were just going to say do don't it. have sex with the president. <laughs> that too, all right? Turns out a lot of them are not really great because for sex. Uh, look, so, uh, uh, of course, uh, during this period in December of this year, he was the second president ever to have articles of impeachment passed for him. Do you know who the first was, Jim? Nixon. No. Ah. 
It was Andrew um, Jackson. Um, did, uh, Nixon, Nixon was never impeached. Oh, I did know. Yeah, that's no. a fun fact. That's so nice. Did, I, he re- did he quit? He resigned. He resigned uh, before. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there was a whole like. What did Andrew Jackson get indicted for? I assume just being a racist asshole. Like <laughs> Andrew Jackson was like a bad, bad man um, who did uh, maybe the trial of tears. I don't know. He killed a lot of people. Was genuinely horrific. Hated all politicians. That's not innately that bad, but was just genuinely maybe like people like oh Trump, uh, Bush. They're both very bad presidents. Andrew Jackson. Probably the most evil president ever to run the United States of America. Uh, some other fun facts. A uh, bunch of MPs uh, started heckling the Queen during a Queen speech that year because they announced they're going to get rid of 700 hereditary peers. I find this hilarious. <laughs> the idea that the Queen was like, yeah, we're going to put more power into the hands of, like, I don't know, people who haven't just inherited this title. And people were like, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you don't know, I could, I could inherit a title eventually. Again, there are a lot of MPs who are also hereditary peers and just chose not to take that while they're uh, sitting in the house. It's terrible. We still, for our American listeners who don't know, we still have hereditary peers, just less. <laughs> Yay! I believe, um, I believe the Thatcher's owner have a hereditary peer. I'm not sure no about that. Clear, but there's, a, there's definitely a couple of them still left in the House of Lords, but... For people who don't know, the House of Lords uh, nowadays is mostly made up of experts in fields or, um, yeah, people who are particularly great things. Lord Sugar, for some Lord, Well, reason. yeah, well, expert in the field, right? Like, was a businessman, lots of people are like that. They, in theory, have some particular knowledge which they could bring to bear on uh, getting to vote yeah. twice on something the second time they get to go through anyway. Not so. that we're... Uh, Time stamping this, although this is coming out in two days, so I don't need to worry about that. Um, I assume you saw what Lord Sugar got in trouble for this week. Oh. Uh, he criticised Jeremy Corbyn for uh, having over a million pounds in uh, wealth, including his house. He was like, oh, he owns an expensive house in Islington. Have you ever seen Jeremy Corbyn's house? It's, it's not, shit. Oh, yes, it's not it's, a nice house. It's, it's just, just London's terrible. Exactly. It's just worth that much. And also, I love the idea of a multi-hundred millionaire being like, Oh, Jeremy Corbyn is oh, a man of the people. Oh, he wants to he, seize the means of production. Because he bought a two-bedroom flat in, in Islington in 1960 when it cost 10 quid. <laughs> Legitimately, there have been times in the US, like in UK history, where social housing was sold for 50 pence. Um, and you could buy, like, the downstairs for 50p, upstairs for 50p, and those things would nowadays be worth several hundred thousand pounds. Yes. And meanwhile, the rest of us are sitting there going, ha, 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 property ownership, and that's really funny, lol. Um, anyway, anything else you can tell me about 1998? Uh, outside AOL? of that, uh, some members from the IOC, the uh, International Olympics Committee, uh, announced that, yeah, they took bribes when uh, putting the Winter Olympics in Salt Lake City in Utah. Nice. Which kicked off a load of... Were they of, Mormon bribes? I mean, I hope so. I <laughs> hope they were like, here's some non-caffeinated tea and $10,000. How much is $10,000? Probably a million. I don't know. But let's talk quickly about AOL. Obviously, this is, uh, look, some background knowledge. This is why I thought it would be good for historical context for uh, our younger listeners. I know we have some people here who probably can barely remember AOL. That's depressing. <laughs> At one point, AOL was a uh, email provider, but they also provided things like dial-up as long as a lot of other uh, internet uh, services. D- and in dial-up uh, is, is internet before there was sure, wireless. Sure. So you know how when you go on the computer today, you just click on the thing, you click a pipe of the bus with that's it, and then you're on the internet. Back in the day, what you would do is you get a little cable and you plug it into your computer or your laptop and then you hit go on the internet. And uh, what and you would then hear sounds is sounds from the <gasps> devil. <that's going. laughs> 
Would yeah, essentially a gremlin dying yeah, would come from your computer. Awful. I don't know why they never figured out a way to convert that to a nice and looks like a dial. Or just not play it. Yeah. Like, just don't play it it's out loud. <laughs> 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 play. Uh, that was terrible. Um, the year before this came out, it's 1997. Uh, AOL was the way most people in the world got onto the internet. With, guess how many users? As, as one of the biggest internet providers, as one of the biggest email things in the world, how many users do you in think? In 1998. Seven. Um, so 1997. 1997. I'm going to go with, in America, 10, overall, 10 million? Overall. Worldwide. 10, oh, worldwide. 25 million. 7 million. 7 million. And to remind you today, Facebook, which is... A website that people, although they provide internet services, I think in some place in Africa, uh, has over 2 billion users. Which means in the last, well, since we've been alive, the internet has gone from a thing which not that many people use, was in a few homes, in schools sometimes, in libraries, to a thing which has influenced every part of our life today. Oh my God, watching this film now, this is a nightmare. essentially should be rebranded as a utility and a necessary uh, yeah. thing that people have to have to live. Yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting time. Uh, it was also, I believe, at one point in human history... Uh, half of all CDs that you may remember this given out had an AOL stamp on them yeah. and that's because AOL were giving out what they would do how you get onto AOL was they would just send these kind of mailers to everyone of just a CD saying try the internet free, yeah, a free, a free, free month, for, month yeah. for us and you plug it in and that's how you got the internet which was nuts you put in your phone line put that into your computer and then you AOL to get access to it um, absolutely balmy completely nuts uh, again, to our young listeners who are listening to this thinking in despair, oh my god, what happened? Uh, get off your mobile phones and go outside, you <laughs> yeah, hippies! You fucking weird all Gen right. Z cucks. That's a lesson from real man. <laughs> all right? Yeah, we're boomers on this show now. Oh yeah, that's right. And we're not re- just because of our booming voices. Oh yeah, we rebranding as OK Boomer, all right? It's great. <laughs> <laughs> right, is that you done? Mm. Great, so let me tell you a little bit about this film. Uh, so, long-time listeners of the show will know that I, I have a history uh, with rom-coms. This is a rom-com, uh, the, directed and written by Nora Ephron, uh, who we've seen uh, direct and write Sleepless in Seattle, which uh, our dear listeners will remember I did actually quite like, yeah. which was fine. Uh, she co-wrote it with uh, her sister, Delia. Um, Tom Hanks stars alongside Meg Ryan reuniting after Sleepless in Seattle and Joe versus the Volcano um, which we've seen them both in before uh, and both performed well together they've uh, developed a decent on-screen chemistry it's why they were brought back for this um, other people are in this film uh, Dave Chappelle plays Tom Hanks' best friend yeah I literally said out loud what the fuck when he first came on screen it's a very weird the weirdest thing about it's, it is it's it's a fine casting sure. and he's fine in it. It's weird that Dave Chappelle would choose to be in it is the thing oh, I'm, no, I'm questioning. Sure. I, I, am, I am much less, as, as fans of the show may remember if you've gone back and uh, listened to uh, Punchline. Yes. Um, you know, one of us is really in love with stand-up comedy and the other one of us likes seeing it live sometimes. Oh, which one's which? Yeah, who, who knows, who knows. <laughs> But uh, so I don't know that much about Dave Chappelle overall. I've seen a bit of a stand-up. Um, it seems like you know, the kind of classic thing of you're on YouTube and somehow you end up in a load of stand-up clips. Um, I assume this was in the period where he wanted to buy a house or he wanted to yeah, have I guess kids he, and he be able will to have, to, in 1998 uh, probably released um, one or two specials released sure. reached 
a decent level of stand-up fame, yeah, but yeah. not he he wasn't and doing Chappelle show yet. Sure. He wasn't, but also enough that your asking fee for this kind of supporting role is probably pretty decent, right? Like, yeah, he's not doing this for he's not doing this for scale. He's doing this for you know a decent amount of money. Yeah, because he, I mean, he is probably third build in this. He's probably the third biggest character. Maybe a couple of the people who are alongside Meg Ryan. Sure, I guess. Um, um, Steve Zahn, the only other notable person, uh, especially to listen to the Hanks Bank, is Steve Zahn, who was the uh, rhythm guitarist in That Thing You Do. Yeah. And also, obviously, famously is in Friends Friends as Phoebe's former husband. husband. Or Uh, or husband husband. that she's still married to at the beginning of the show, and then in an episode has to get divorced from him because he's getting married to someone else. Yes. Um, I think they married for a green card or something. It's like one episode he's in. But people would definitely recognise him if you're a fan of Friends, you'd recognise him. Fun fact, uh, you might not recognise this, Uh, the person who plays uh, Meg Ryan's uh, partner at the beginning of this film is also in Friends. Oh, uh, yes. Sorry, I I wrote uh, Greg Kinnear. Yeah, Greg Kinnear. He plays Charlie's um, ex-boyfriend, the one with the MacArthur Genius Awards. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Who yeah. Uh, holds Ross's fate in uh, his hands? Yeah, we're we're just learning that around this time, Everyone's everyone is in Friends. Friends. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I did have Greg Kinnear. Yeah, Greg Kinnear, obviously from Friends, but also from. Other, I other like things. the idea that um, Friends for American actors at this point is sort of just like Casualty. Yes, or, or EastEnders. EastEnders, yeah. or like um, what was the, it? Uh, I think I think it ended, but there was one like a policeman. The call, bill, the bill. Yeah. Everyone had been on the bill, yeah, because it just was there, and like everyone who ever acted in British history has also acted on the bill at yeah, some point. Absolutely. Uh, considering I know people from drama school who are currently on uh, Casualty, yeah, it's still the case. It's it's the training proving ground for a lot of young actors. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Greg Kinnear, as you said, plays uh, Meg Ryan's current partner, and Steve Zahn plays one of her friends in her independent bookshop. Sure. Uh, I don't think he works there. I think he does. Think, does he work I, there I in some really capacity? Important. Okay, he works there. Um, this is inspired by a Hungarian play called uh, Parfumerie, uh, which had already been adapted into two other films. Uh, the Shop Around the Corner, uh, which is what oh. the shop in the film that Meg Ryan runs ends up being called. It's a nod to this adaptation of Parfumerie. It's called The Shop Around the Corner, which starred Jimmy Stewart. Uh, and it also was uh, adapted for a musical called uh, In the Good Old Summertime, a movie musical called In the Good Old Summertime, starring Judy Garland. So this actually, this general story, obviously it's updated. The, those ones didn't have it being about email. Um, so yeah. it's been updated for the 90s. Uh, but this is a, a story that has been adapted for quite a long time into lots of different sure. uh, things, into other plays and things like that. Uh, it's set and filmed in New York. Uh, the book uh, shop, the, the shop around the corner, is actually an antique shop. Uh, that still exist in New York, that they uh, paid the owner to just go on holiday for a few weeks and then they filmed in there. Um, it grossed 115, uh, about $116 million uh, from the domestic market and $135 million from the foreign market for a worldwide total of $251 million, uh, making it his first rom-com that performs better internationally than it does uh, locally in yeah. America. I think that definitely starts to show there's this thing uh, when you're trying to get a film financed where, at least domestic in the US, um, you know, actors get attached to stuff because they do well overseas, right? Yeah. So famously, um, that's how Bruce Willis ends up in uh, Pulp Fiction. I believe they wanted someone else for his role originally, but they were like, no, people abroad really love Bruce Willis. We want Bruce Willis' business, and he gets cast. So definitely yep. later stuff, that's how I think a lot of Tom Hanks casting happens. Um, yeah, well, in fact, there are four other films that we've seen so far uh, which performed better overseas than it did in the States. Do you reckon you can name those four films? Um, same Pro Run. 
Yep. Uh, Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump. Um, I think they're all from this period. Yeah, they are. Toy Story. No, Toy no. Story performs better domestically. That's interesting. Yeah, um, I, I didn't expect. I expected Toy Story to do better internationally, just because. But I guess Pixar wasn't as read, uh, recognized their name. No, no, and I guess yeah. Like nowadays they're making billions, but sh- uh, yeah, that makes sense. Forrest Gump, Saving Private Ryan. Um, not a league of their own. Uh, big. No. What are the other two, Jamie? Uh, it's Apollo 13. Okay, uh, sure. And those three are all pretty close. We're mm-hmm. talking, you know, around five to ten million difference uh, between those. Philadelphia wildly oh. outperforms in America, uh, in, overseas than in America. Uh, to the, ex- to the tune makes... of something like 77 million in the States and like 120 million overseas. Which just surprised me. It, it seems like a very... It's about such an American issue, uh, and that sure. But at the same time, if you're selling it to an American audience in the '90s, they might not want to see it. Yeah, because homophobia is a thing. Yeah, a lot. Well, homophobia is still a thing now, but no, of course, a lot more in the '90s. And, and also, just a general distaste for um, the idea of HIV and AIDS. Uh, I, I can understand putting it off. Whereas, in I think to some extent, in places like the UK, obviously with like Diana, I think you know, going out and kind of bring more awareness to this stuff. Um, potentially that would have done better in kind of overseas markets. So I, I can kind of see some of that happening, but yeah, definitely in the US, I, I sort of understand it not yeah. playing so well. Um, there's a couple of things that I'll sort of chat as we go through the film uh, about this film. However, obviously this film uh, is about books. Yeah. Uh, and famously, uh, as we know on this podcast, I can't read. No, it's true. Um, so I went uh, and I enlisted help. Uh, from my girlfriend, yeah. who uh, has worked in bookshops, is a big reader, has a book blog, mm-hmm. a book trotting follower. Give yeah, her, and, it's, and it's really cute because Jamie can't read the blog. Yes, yeah, so, so she, she she cuddles me up at night and reads her blog to me. It's true, it's true. <laughs> Jamie also can't text because, again, he can't read. No, I can't read. So he has to phone her for yes. like hours every day, yes. and it's really cute. Yeah, it's so adorable. Yeah. Um, so I went to chat to her uh, about her experience. So this... Um, I'll chat a little bit more about some of the things she mentions, but one of the things which I thought was interesting is this idea of uh, big, big um, bookshops versus versus the independent. Um, Interestingly, in the UK, Mm. uh, there used to be a law where you had to sell all books at recommended retail price, no matter what. That went away and created the increase in places like Waterstones, where larger scale booksellers were able to sell books at a discount price sure. which is a lot a lot of this book uh, story uh, this film talks about um and it drives independent bookstores yeah. out of business obviously this uh, there's two points here yeah. firstly waterstones interestingly in the uk as well has a policy that it will not open on a street that already has an independent bookseller that's a good policy they aren't fantastic about keeping to it sure but it is it's their general policy, policy sure. which is quite nice and additionally, obviously, this film coming out in 1998, the whole debate has kind of been reframed in modern standards because by Amazon, by Amazon. Yeah. like now, now Waterstones Water is, Water is the local bookstore that is fighting against the online retailers, and people are more sort of happy just that they go to an actual bookshop, even if it's a Waterstones sure. uh, or in America a Barnes and yeah. Noble or a um, what's the other one? It's already. St- Borders? Borders, which yeah. uh, actually uh, went into administration in 2014. Yeah. So that whole debate has been reframed a lot, but because of that reframing of the debate, it still kind of rings true. You just kind of have to treat uh, Tom Hanks's big bookshop 
essentially is the same as Amazon, Amazon, right. or the general idea of capitalism. Sure. So it's st- oh, it just, there's a there's a lot of capitalism in this, yes. and uh, let me tell you, we're going to talk about yes, some we are going to talk about evil that. capitalism. Um, so yeah, I'll talk a couple other things about uh, the representations of bookshops in independent versus um, sure. Uh, versus big bookshops, uh, but I like uh, big bookshops. Ellen, uh, Ellen would like to say one big message uh, to people, which is buy from independent bookshops if you can. Yep. Uh, and I bought two books off Amazon today. <laughs> so I'm again. I'm just betraying hey, my girlfriend. Jamie, you know what? It's okay. I know it's really embarrassing, and sometimes you just want to buy the hungry, hungry caterpillar <laughs> to learn to read, and you don't want to go in and be asked tasers for your kid, and you you to go. No, no. I'm only twenty six. It's for, for me. me. Um, so yeah, well, let's go into this film. Um, Let's just start off uh, at several points in this. We're going to use terms which I don't think our younger listeners will get what it means, uh, like the word chat room. So we'll start briefly to explain the concept of a chat room. How young We're, do you think? Oh, I don't think anyone Jamie, younger than like 22 listens to this podcast. I don't think people who are 22 know what an AOL <laughs> chat room is. All right. By that point, you had the Bebos and you had the MySpaces and then you had the Facebooks. It was dead. All right. Okay. So uh, we open... Shit, what is this movie open on? Um, um, I think it's them New York. chatting. Uh, yeah, it's open on New York. Um, oh, no, no, so, so similar to the opening of Sleepers in Seattle. Sorry, apologies for this. I can't believe they this. Sleepers in Seattle opens with this big map of America. Right? It's this kind of thing, and it's kind of showing all these connecting lines going across, and it's all about the radio as this kind of technological thing and how it makes America. You get this little nice graphic kind of making all of America that, that kind of little small town vibe. We get this instead with a, like, proto-proto-proto kind of visualization of Google Earth. Yes. Where it kind of starts with a kind of big net space version of the globe. We zoom in. Where do we zoom into? A big blocky version of Manhattan. Oh, man, it's that's very creepy. bad. We go even further in, and there's just a blocky man running down the street. Creepy, you might say. And slowly, it begins to dial up into reality as we look at someone's house. And who's house? Are we looking at? We're looking at Meg Ryan's house. Yeah, uh, who plays a woman called Kathleen. Kathleen. Um, uh, Kathleen is uh, writing an email. No, just before she's talking to her boyfriend. Oh um, yes. Her boyfriend comes in is like Greg Kinnear. Greg Kinnear, and uh, he's like, "Hey, turns out the government in Missouri has had to ban Minesweeper because no one got anything done for four weeks." <laughs> and this is to stress that the internet exists, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. That's right. This is not like your mum and dad's films. Then there's internet there, okay? <laughs> um, we will learn as we go through Greg Kinnear's character, a bit of a bit of a technophobe, a bit of a Luddite. Yeah, he does um, like... And, and some typewriters. a wanker. Oh, yeah. Uh, likes writing on typewriters and likes using long words. You know, <laughs> hey, Jamie, as someone who's very uh, locutious as myself, he's very eloquent, you know, there's nothing wrong or wankery about using big words to make yourself feel smart, Why okay? Why use big words when small words do good trick? <laughs> <laughs> so... Having learnt that this woman is kind of there with her newspaper reading boyfriend who likes the big words, he runs out to go, I don't know, type something on something or other, and she goes to the computer where she's talking about New York in the fall to maybe the love of her life she doesn't know. That's right. But we get it established that she chat- she's called Shop Girl. Yeah. He's, he's called NY152. Yeah. Um, and they they chat. But they do not exchange any personal, personal details. details. No names, no jobs, 
No, nothing. Just like all the best one night stands, <laughs> it's just raw, okay? Just raw brain it's information. Unadulterated, that's right. They didn't even see any IDs. That got creepier. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, they, they're walking through, and we kind of see the montage of them going through New York, and it turns out they live really close yeah, to each other. Yeah, they walk right past each other. In a really nice montage, they're kind of continually just overlapping in their kind of route to and from yep. work. Um, they go to a Starbucks. Yeah, we see... Starbucks is here. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, this film... Oh, egregious amounts of product placement. You know, There's so much fucking product. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. It is connecting the Nora Ephron verse. Thank you very much. <laughs> Sleepless in Seattle had Starbucks. Starbucks was in Seattle, all right? Okay. And in this one, more Starbucks. Okay. Clearly the Starbucks is the connecting yeah. storyline in these parallel um, universes. She goes to her little independent uh, bookshop filled with a bunch of people who also seem to work there. There's an old lady, a young lady, and Steve Zahn. They all kind of work there. The young lady, uh, also in a film that I have assigned you to go watch, Jamie. Yes. Uh, on the wrong kind list, uh, Miss Congeniality. Yes, I've actually she seen Miss Congeniality. She plays Miss Rhode Island and Miss Congeniality. Yes, uh, I thought I recognised that face. Um, Different hair colour. And then, uh, yeah, uh, Joe Fox, who is our Tom Hanks, uh, goes... Oh. S O X goes to um, his, his big building that's under their, construction. Yes, they're going he meets in. his friend, Dave slash co-worker. Jamie, Is he involved Jamie, with the? I know. I know you've not had uh, a, a like office job for a while, but you can be friends with no, your no, co-workers. No, no, no. I know that, but it's not made clear what Dave Chappelle like. What what is Dave Chappelle's role within the company? I think Dave Chappelle is probably in charge of like managing those kind of projects. So like. It's something along the lines of he probably works in, and this is from effectively no establishing what he does. I imagine he's the kind of guy who picks up potential locations and oversees the construction of them in, you know, making sure it all manages on time or happens on time. Yeah. That seems to be um, what he does. Yeah, we get um, the people in the shop worrying about the big shop opening across the road. They're like, oh, there's a little scene. I can't remember when it comes in, but there's this idea of people being worried where an author comes to uh, yeah. to a shop and is like, hey, so um, you guys okay? Because the place is oh, like, and they're like, yeah, no, we're fine, thanks. And it's like, you still want to do your book signing here? Well, the book comes out in January. Would you still you be gonna here? you still be here in January? Um, so yeah, the idea is, I'm feeling the squeeze a oh, little yeah. bit. Um, we get a little uh, scene of Tom Hanks uh, looking after... Now, can you tell me who these kids are? Yeah. Are they... They do, they do, they do say it, but it is... But I mean, is that it's, true? It's slightly confusing. Yeah, yeah, it is. Okay, that is true. Okay, so, so they are his granddaughter... No, no, they are his, his aunt, aunt and, and his, his brother. brother. Although Tom Hanks is obviously kind of 40-ish. Yeah, and they're young, eight. young kids. So they're and his they're... aunt and his brother. The aunt is his grandfather's kid and the brother is his father's kid but just obviously had them much with, much with later a wife, yeah. with a different wife much much later so he's hanging out with those kids he's getting on well with them yeah he's having a nice day and then he takes them in to um the shop around the corner sure. there's a little uh, story time going on yeah. meg ryan oh i forgot to say um i think i have meg ryan face blindness yeah because every time i see her in a film i don't recognize her from having seen her in a previous film i don't recognize her. oh she's the star of this film so that's probably meg ryan i don't recognize her i mean at all Jamie, from having seen her in sleepless in seattle and joe versus the she's got a haircut all right that's that about sense. it that yeah, we've also like and what's important to know we've had a quick scene earlier on where uh, joe fox goes to see his dad and they kind of establish look we're just going to destroy all these freaking hippies right they are like what do people like about us we sell cheap books and we sell 
you know, pretty good coffee, right? And people come in for their stimulants and their cheap books. And they establish, he kind of talks about, he says, look, who's our competition in the area? And it's all those hippies on the Upper West Side, of course. Again, now the Upper West Side is just filled with ridiculous amounts of rich people. Yeah. Um, but to which he says, oh, it's one anti-bookstore, but that's not a competition, and one like local kids' bookstore. And an old guy there, who maybe is his grandfather, I'm not sure, goes, I used to write letters to the woman who owned that. Yes, and she so we find out that Meg, yeah, Meg Ryan, Kathleen, has inherited this bookstore from her mother, and she yeah. plans on passing it down to her daughter. Sure. Um, so at the bookstore, at the bookstore, she's giving a, she's got a little wizard hat on, and she's giving a uh, her speech. We're getting the idea that she really cares about children's literature. Yeah, she does. Um, she has a real big passion for it. Uh, and Joe Fox, Tom Hanks, is looking at her and he's like, "Oh, that's sweet. She's nice." Um, it's it is it is made clear like he he's gone in there on a whim. He's not actually going the, in. The to, kids the kids have gone. Oh, this is where the storybook lady is. Can we go into storybook yeah. time? And he's like, "Oh, yeah. sorry, time they go in." So yeah, it's not he's not he's, he's not, not being sneaky. No. He's not going to like go about the competition. He doesn't view this woman as competition. No, as we story. will find out later. Um, but he goes in there and uh, they he starts having a chat with her. Um, and she goes, "Yeah, we're a little bit worried about um, about the opening of yeah. the Fox book shops around the corner." Um, Tom Hanks immediately gets very nervous. Uh, starts. Very much trying to hide his identity. He pays in cash instead of on card. Yeah. Um, the little kid... Uh, and it's like 70 bucks. Yeah, They're like, like, oh, well, how much are these books? $70. And he's like, Jesus. <laughs> okay, I guess I have that cash. Um, uh, the little kid, like, spells out F-O-X. F-O-X. That's, a, that's apparently his thing. I don't know why. Throughout the film, he's, his, he says his surname is Fox and spells it out F-O-X. I don't know why. I think it's he, like his thing. I think he. What do you mean, the little kid? Or no, did, Tom Hanks. Tom, Tom well, Hanks I, I, does it. I think he's doing it because because she saw him spell F O X, and like as a in joke between even, even when they're not getting on as an in joke. Okay, I think it's meant to be that. Got it. Um, so yeah, he sort of hides it and then he he leaves. Um, they then meet at another function. Sure, it's like Thanksgiving-ish era. Um, they're getting really worried. I believe uh, she's asked. Um, her boyfriend to write an article at this point um, um, uh, or, or is beginning to float the no, idea yeah, yeah yeah so that I don't think that's happening he, he's yet. saying we hate no no sorry he's expressing at this point that he hates Fox bookstores he's like oh it's the death of public pharma blah blah yes. blah um, all this kind of crap they go in and it's clearly like a uh, Thanksgiving E themed party there's a lot of turkey there's a lot of food yeah, it's, it's like it's a publishing party for a bunch of the like the bookstore book, owners book yeah. they come around um, and he uh, they see she... each other again, uh, and at this point, he lets slip that he is Fox. They or, or she finds out that, he's that, that he is Fox, the owner of Fox, but uh, Fox bookstores. And she goes over and starts braiding him, being like, "What the fuck? Why didn't you tell me? Were you scouting at the competition?" A, and it's a shame because earlier on they have a lot of chemistry, right? Like, yes, they um, they have chemistry. They're getting on really well. She lets slip early on that she really wants to have her daughter uh, inherit this uh, her bookstore after her. And just like she inherited it from her mother, yeah. and he goes, "Do you have a kid then?" And she's like, "No." So you know, there's clearly some sexual. You know, the, yeah. the clock is ticking. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, uh, yeah, and she goes, "Oh, you were coming around because you you were scouting us out." And he basically just goes, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, me, the owner of the big fuck off Madison bookstore, found out the financial uh, details of this tiny fuck off little children's bookstore around the corner, and had to go over there to scout out my big competition." Basically, completely. I think she later in decimates it. Yeah, later in an email um, to Hanks uh, or to NY152 says to him like, "This guy just completely belittled my existence," and he does. He's a complete twat to her. He like scoops up caviar from one of the dishes, and she's like, "She's like that's a garbage," and he's like, "Oh, it's caviar." Um, 
it's, um, it's also like at this point we kind of we see the sort of the key tensions for both of them, which is that uh, she always wishes that she could uh, have the right zinger for the right moment, say the nasty, cruel thing, just to hurt the other person. Yeah. And conversely, he feels that he always says the nasty, cruel thing, and I actually wishes he could be a nicer guy. Um, yeah. I don't think he necessarily. I don't think he yet thinks he. No, no, no. But, 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 but that's that, that's sort of the tension. Yeah, he, right? those, yeah. those are the kind of two um, things. One wants to be harsher. One wants to be softer. Yeah. And then in. Uh, a case of dramatic irony uh, when they are emailing each other she is discussing this run-in with the awful man yeah. and they can't talk about specifics so yeah. but um, his, he, his, he tries his... to give her some business advice he's like I'm having business trouble sure. and it's like oh business I know that uh, if you've ever yeah, seen it's uh, not personal, there's, gonna... there's a gif uh, that you will have seen of Tom Hanks uh, where he goes ooh and then blows on his fingers and starts no, to type absolutely. you've not seen that oh, it's a very gifable moment it's, it's, yes. it yes, uh, a lot of this film is very gifable yes. we have um, skipped over though uh, so yeah so we'll finish this and we'll go back but um, he gives a business advice saying Look, you've got to absolutely decimate this guy it doesn't matter it's not personal it's business yeah, it's not personal it's business um, he quotes, quotes Godfather, Godfather in the party uh, interestingly so we're, we're, we're cutting just for uh, sake of these listeners we're cutting between um, both the party and the conversation they later have about it yeah uh, yeah in, at the party he quotes the Godfather and says something along the lines of oh you know, you're going to see the fishes and whatever yeah um, it, interestingly fun little fact um, Joe Fox is uh, in the film a big Godfather the buff uh, and that may have come from Tom Hanks himself uh, Alex Baldwin is quoted as uh, sorry Alec Baldwin not Alex yeah. that's not a person um, uh, is quoted as saying that Tom Hanks and Rob Reiner would regularly host Godfather viewing parties yes. and have like drinking games based around this them sounds and stuff, great and like quote the film along with it so yeah Tom Hanks himself as well as Joe Fox the character yeah. are both huge lovers of uh, Godfather in the film he says uh, it has like the solution to all oh, problems, yeah, basically. Yeah. And basically, all men in this film also agree. Like, they yes. seem to be another girlfriend. Yeah, all men love Godfather. Um, the other thing, and this is just a very small thing, which we kind of gloss over, uh, Tom Hanks also has a girlfriend. So uh, just as Meg Ryan has a partner, Tom Hanks has a girlfriend. Uh, Tom Hanks' girlfriend sees uh, Meg Ryan's boyfriend and is like, oh my God, I loved your piece on blah, blah, on like high degree in theory about, of you know, the, the, the all this platonic relationship. wanky blah, blah, blah. shit you write. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So clearly, and to which Meg Ryan's boyfriend is clearly like, oh, well, you know, um, why thank you for appreciating me. And you can see both that clearly these two relationships these people are having, they're not solid. No. These people are, g- at some point or another, someone's going to... That's why they're both chatting with someone yeah, yeah, online yeah. that they think they uh, like. There's a nice line earlier in the film where um, she kind of walks in. She's, I think it's when she first walks into the shop and uh, Miss Rhode Island goes... Um, uh, oh, 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 you look so, oh, you look so dreamy. Are you in love? And she's like, no... Yes, yes, I'm in love with my partner. I am in love with my boyfriend. <laughs> yes. Um, so at this point is when she then asks her boyfriend to write a piece. Yes. Uh, she, he's a newspaper columnist. Um, and she's like, look, you've got to help me. Would it be a conflict of interest if you wrote uh, a piece publicizing? Yeah. And he goes, yes. No. no. What do you want me to say? Um, and yeah, write a piece. And they like oh, get, yeah, get, get quite a lot of news traction. They're on the news saying... Fuck, Fox, books. I was about to say news. Yeah. Uh, fuck, Fox, books. Look, we're, we want to support the independent store. Blah, blah, come down to us. We're, we're great. Um, and it, it, is, it is at this point exactly uh, where Tom Hanks is starting to feel a little bit pissed um, off and vulnerable yeah. because he's being attacked in the news. And again, he, he always sees this as personal, uh, not as business, not personal. Um, so he asks they, like, shop lady sure. over AOL, do you want to meet up? Yeah. 
It's also a uh, couple of other things. Uh, this is the, which I find slightly confusing. It seems to the campaign seems to work like they are that they do then have sh- shots of loads of people in the bookstore. Yeah. They have a section where she gets interviewed by the news and she's like, you know, I talked to this Joe Fox in person and he said that um, he compared to his store to like a dollar save club and compared his books to olive oil. And then they um, cut to a clip of you know, Tom Hanks is watching Dave Chappelle in the gym or something. Yeah. And they cut to like the beginning of an interview where just Tom Hanks says, yes, we sell cheap books and that's all they <laughs> yes, use. Yes, that's all they use. And he complains, like, what the fuck? I was like, I said so much more. It was so nice. I was good. Um, but yeah, we uh, get to a point where, ooh, has he yet helped her out at the supermarket. Yeah, is that this, before this, or after this, the date? This is around, uh, it's before the date. Definitely. It's the before the date. So uh, they run into each other again at the supermarket. Yeah, she again, has, uh, she has uh, found herself accidentally in a uh, cash-only aisle. Yeah. Um, uh, simple times. Um, she uh, only has a card and she says, oh, look, come on, please. There's a card reader there. Can I use the card reader? Can I use the card reader? People behind her in the queue are weirdly aggressive to her. They're like, hey, come on, lady, it's a cash aisle. You should have seen that. I think this is like the night before Thanksgiving or like Thanksgiving, like like right before that. I think it's um, because there's a lot of Thanksgiving stuff. Yeah. Um, And overcomes uh, Tom Hanks to save the day. Who is aggressive and is like, use the the card reader right there. He's like, can I pay pay in cash? He's like, no. He's like, okay, fine. You... Meg Ryan, you're a lady. You can't sweet talk this uh, cashier. I'll do it for you. Hey, uh, knock, knock. Who's there? Orange. Orange, you. Orange, you going to help us out and start using, let us use that little fucking card reader. Hey, happy Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> and then she's like, for some reason, this works. The cashier lady is like, like smiling and giggling. Oh, he's so charming. What he's not it's like a really weird wankery move and then he starts going to everyone else in the queue hey happy thanksgiving guys how you doing it's great and like tom hanks kind of carries it off because tom hanks is tom hanks but it's not it's like i think the film makes you want to think it's a charming move and it's just it's american not. charming right it's not it's not british charming it's, it's american not. charming oh it is um yeah it's it's a an interesting move on his part that um i question and then uh, yeah they agree to meet up uh, and they agree to meet at a restaurant at a time. She's going to have a book and a rose. I believe it's Pride and Prejudice because on their they emails they have that. discussed Pride and Prejudice. And they're in love. Um, they are hundred percent by this point in love. They want. He is set. He, he's outside. He's with Dave Chappelle, and he says, "Look, if she's pretty. I'm going to marry this woman immediately." Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, um, and then um, he's still with. They're both still with their partners. Yes. Um, Dave Chappelle, and he goes, oh, "Look, can you go and like." check through the window uh, Dave and, and see if she's pretty and then he's like well she, she he sees that it's Meg Ryan and goes well she's she's pretty she's definitely pretty and he's like yeah I knew she'd be pretty and he's like you know what she kind of looks like that Kathleen lady off the telly and he's like well you did say she was pretty and he's like yeah she is pretty but I hate that woman and he's like well if you hate that woman you're probably gonna hate this woman why is that because it's the same woman. Uh, and he runs up to the door. He looks through the window. Sees that it's her. Sees the rose in the uh, book. Uh, and then leaves. He's like, I'm, I'm just going to go. And Dave Schwell's like, what the fuck? You're just going to let her, like, just, just go. go. You're going to... he's like, yep, that's what I'm going to do. And he leaves. We see a couple of shots of um, Meg Ryan inside, like, waiting, like, rearranging the... She's clearly nervous. Rearranging the rose. Rearranging the book. 
I'm checking the door, someone comes through, I think dressed like an opera man or something, like a fat opera man in a suit. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And He comes through and she's like, oh, it's probably not him. Um, and then comes through the door, Joe Fox, Tom Hanks. Uh, he's decided to come back. And for a moment you might think, oh, is he going to... No, he is not. Uh, she quickly drops her head uh, and then overcomes Joe Fox and goes... Hey! What are you up to? Hey, what are you up to? Hey, oh, you, oh, you got a nice little rose there. Oh, a little book. Oh, Brian and Prejudice, how's that? Oh, Prejudice. And starts just mocking her for no reason. He knows why she's there. And he just starts mocking her I... relentlessly. She immediately is just like, please, can you leave? Please, can you leave? Uh, he does not. I think the thing is here, we'll get more to this at the end. Yeah, we will. <laughs> it's, it's meant to be... It, mm, um, obviously, it's based on these kind of other uh, things previously. I think it's very much meant to be based on like elements of it feel very taken from Pride and Prejudice. Oh, yeah. I, I, very I, again, much I can't read, so sure, I don't know. Sure. But but <laughs> if you were able to read, yeah. there is a scene in Pride and Prejudice which is basically this where Mr. Darcy comes to see Elizabeth and he's basically like, Look, your family's terrible. You're you know, fine enough, but for some reason I can't get you over my head, so marry me. And it's like a jerk. And she's like, no, you're the worst man I've ever met in my life. Fuck off. But, but he doesn't say no, but, but that he's sure, New but, York 152. No, but instead I think what he's trying to... I think A, he's a jerk. Yes. And B, he's also trying to... I think he's insecure in the idea that she loves this... She wouldn't love the real him. She loves this like disembodied version of him, but if she were to reconcile... Like, Reconcile the fact he's being a jerk. He's also being playfully a jerk because Meg Ryan's like, look, and she does. She, Meg she, Ryan she, well, she initially, just, initially does just say, "Can you please leave?" Yeah, please, and then they're joking along, and then, and then she, uh, they're not really joking. They're joking a bit. He starts to be mean to her. He starts mocking the the rose and mocking the Pride and Prejudice book, and then she's yeah, actively mean back. She starts just saying like, "You're a dick. I you're you're everything that's wrong with Cop America. Fuck capitalism, etc." Um, and he's like, "Cool," and then he leaves. And then she reckons... decimated. Yeah. Um, they Jeez. email again. Yeah. Um, he, as New York 152, kind of just goes, oh, no, she, no, she emails she said, him. She, she says, emails him I, 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 all the time I wish that I could say the, the smart thing, the quick thing, the mean thing, to, to and, and I did this one, this tonight, and it was cruel, and I feel really bad that I was cruel, and although he's a bit of a, although he is a dick, I don't think he... Deserve I, that, and I feel. I, bad. I, I, I as though he's a dick. I should always take the high road. I shouldn't sure. be mean to him. And which he says, like, I kind of like, like that's it's both. So it's this, this apology is sort of playing out, even though she doesn't know he's apologizing to him. To which he says, I'm sure he deserved it. You know, you're a great person. Blah blah blah. blah. Yeah. So, and, so we know and, the and romance like, is still there. One it's day, still, uh, one day, I'll explain to you. Uh, why? Why I stood you up? Around he this point, there explain. are a couple of theories oh, they, they, as to why yes. he, why he couldn't arrive. Uh, one of them is that he is a murderer. Yes, yeah, so they're they, looking in the, the newspaper. Guy, the guy comes in. The guy from Friends comes. In, one of the guys from Friends comes in with the newspaper, being like, "Look at this. This is why he didn't come put it down. Rooftop murderer yeah. caught by police." And like that was two blocks away from your restaurant. He couldn't turn up because he was arrested. He was in jail. Uh, and then, yeah, the, the younger girl at the store has another theory. Uh, they keep on saying, oh, so he stood you up. And she's like, no, he didn't stand me up. He couldn't. Um, she's dogmatic. But there must have been a reason uh, why uh, uh, he stood her up. Um, slowly, the next sort of sequence is the shop around the corner just loses more and more business and eventually has to completely go under. Um, 
They, yeah, I don't think there's anything hugely important that happens around this time. No, like the, the store slowly loses more money and they have to shut shut up shop. Sure, it's, it's, it's quite sad. sad. It's sad they can sell everything. There's like a, there's basically a clear sale at the beginning of the film. They talk about uh, I think the first scene where we meet Tom Hanks's dad and potentially his grandfather, but not sure who. Um, there is a sequence where he's like, "I uh, this place elsewhere in Manhattan just went under." We went to them and then we bought up their whole entire inventory for like four cents on the dollar. Yeah. And to some extent, that's what's basically happening here, right? Yeah. It's not that he's not buying this place up. No, he doesn't but, buy it up. But, um, you know, every, it, it clear and set sale. Everything's like 80% yeah. off, 100% off. Um, we get a scene of Kathleen. Meg Ryan is trying to figure out what she's doing with her life. She's taking a little break. She goes and visits uh, Fox Bookstore. Um, okay, before that. Oh, so something important happened before that? Yeah, there, there's two things. Um... Because around this time, uh, no, that's the same day. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but this is this is this is what makes Joe by that point, his feelings. Yes, more. by that point, they are both broken up by. Oh yes, so, yes, they break so, up with their partners. So the, 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 oh, I wanted to the, talk about the, this. The two breakups happen. Um, his uh, before even uh, with with uh, with Meg Ryan breaking up with her partner, the guy, uh, the other guy from Friends. Um, what happens is two things. First of all, as the as the thing's beginning to go bankrupt, she's like, we're going to have to sell off everything. They know it's closing now. It hasn't closed yet. She goes to see the old woman who, she's like, we're going to have to let you go, blah, blah, blah. And the old woman who was a friend of her mother's and has basically been her proxy mother for a very long time is explained to her that, you know, there was a while when she was young and she went off to Spain and she fell in love with the leader of Spain. Yes, yes. And no, she, it's that like, we couldn't be together because he had to run, run Spain. Spain. And, and then they go what? back and then, and then the next sequence is uh, Meg Ryan and her partner being like, she fucks Franco. Franco. Yeah, she meets Franco. Like, the time is right. Like, she must mean Franco. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, I really like that. That's, a, that's we, a really we, good we, Like, much more than I think uh, Sleepless in Seattle. This is a very funny film. Yeah, there, I mean, there are lots of genuinely bits where I like laughed sure. out loud, including that. Like, yeah, Franco is one, it's, it's probably my favourite joke in the film. And um, um, they go, they, well, they end up, they then end up in the cinema, they're on the way to the cinema, and um, sort of he's being a dick, he shouts, you know, someone's like, shh, during the ads, and he's like, what, you want to see the bunny dance and sell you coke, you sheeple? And um, I can't remember how it comes up, but basically she's she goes, uh, I didn't vote in the last election. Yeah, he basically says, "Oh, how could anyone be so responsible not to vote?" And she's like, "Well, I didn't vote in the last mayoral election." And I quite, I love the name drop. She's like, "Yeah, it was like Giuliani versus whoever, and I was getting my nails done, so I didn't vote." <laughs> and looking back, I'm like, well, "That's how Giuliani ended up yeah. in the White House." Um, they end up breaking up. She's they, been no, so that she uh, criticised him earlier in the film for um, being on TV a... and flirt, clearly flirting with the TV presenter. So while they're breaking up, she goes like, "I want to, I, you no longer love me." He, like he's trying to say that and she goes you no longer love me he's like yeah that's great and it's like well that's great i don't love you and it's like oh great so it's a weird mutual breakup she goes oh is there someone else oh, i bet it's that news lady and it's like well nothing's happened yet but yes yeah there's there's someone else and then in i get what they're going for but in my favorite terrible thing for a human to say that happens in this film he goes to her is there someone else and she goes no there's the dream of someone else, which is so, like, I get that it's a mutual breakup, but it's so shitty to for them to say, well, do you love someone else? No, I just wish so, I did. Yeah. <laughs> so 
around this time, I believe then the store closes. As we said, very sad. Uh, she sees briefly. She mentions only in the film that she kind of would dance with her mum around the thing. There's kind of a vision of her and her mum dancing. And it's kind of yeah, younger. It's, yeah, it is. It is very. It's, it's a very nice. sad sequence. She closes, and you know, it's it's clearly like this. There's a. I think as she closes and puts the shutter down, we see from the inside that there was a sign which is now turned inward, saying, you know, we were closing this week after 40 years of service. Thank you very much. Thank you so very much. Yeah. Um, and she goes out. It's very sad. Uh, we cut then to uh, Tom Hanks and his partner. His partner works in publishing. Um, she's like cutthroat. She's really harsh, and she's kind of like she's in the same way that Meg Ryan's boyfriend is some sort of the worst parts of her, like the pretentious stuff. You kind of really bol- not bullshit, but like you know, ah, just indie blah 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 stuff. Her part, his partner, is the worst parts of him. It's the kind of the, the aggressive, the sales to sell, the doesn't really care about anyone. Earlier on, is like this person died is great, means you don't have to get coffee with him. <laughs> um, and anyway, they end up in a. She goes, oh well, now that she's lost a job. I'll, um, I might offer a, a job in editing because everyone knows that she's the best person for kids' books. And he's like, okay. And she's like, and remember, you lost this woman at her job. It's your fault she's out of a job. And he's like, yeah, okay. And she keeps saying that over and again. They end up in the elevator and the elevator gets stuck. Yes. Um, and he kind of phones, he picks up the big red phone and says, hey, yeah, can you call the super and can you call the, the fire? And she like screams that, and you better fucking get in here now or I'm going to chop your fucking nuts off. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's really funny. They then, they've been there for a long time. One guy's like, if I get out of here, I'm going to ask gonna, so-and-so to marry me. Someone else I is like, her, yeah. you know, if I get out of here, I'm going to tell my, my wife, you know, she's my forever, blah, blah, blah. Um... She she says something I can't remember what exactly know, it is. But she says something shitty and yeah, just, they it's like vapid and very yeah. very. And he kind of goes. He takes a second. He goes, "If I ever," and then she just says, "I can't find my tick shacks." <laughs> and as we learn later from their kind of chats over AOL and the chat room. So guys, uh, I know we said earlier we we're going to spend a chat room. A chat room was a creepy place where people could anonymously talk to each other. <laughs> it's like a forum or Reddit, but back in the days when people did it on AOL, it's weird. Um... They, they broke up. They broke yeah. up after that. Uh, um, he's now he, living on a boat. Yes, yes, he's now living on a boat. Despite being a multi-millionaire and there are hotels in Manhattan. Yeah, but he owns two boats. So. No, he owns one boat. His dad owns, oh, the owns other another boat. boat right next His door. His boat is like the Fox the Third and his dad owns Fox the Second. Yeah. Um, and at this point, there's a sort of key um, a bit of character development for Tom Hanks' character where he emails um, Kathleen and says, do you ever feel like you're becoming the worst version of yourself? Yeah. Um, Etc. So he's he's at a low, uh, and there's a big turning point, which I tried to skip to and forgot about all those other things. So thank you. Um, Sorry. Where no 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 no. Oh, no genuinely, thank you. Yeah. I was like I forgot about all those things. Jamie, we shouted at each other so much now that I can't tell the difference between sarcasm <laughs> and sincerity. Um, um, so yeah, she's at the sure. uh, big bookstore. She's yeah, at Fox's yeah, yeah. bookstore. She's che- checking it out, and she does actually see a few things that she thinks are are worthy. Like there's kids there. Yeah, and they're, they're, they're like, all reading. It's quite. It's, it's bits of it are really lovely. Yeah. But then she's sitting down, and uh, I want to talk about this moment a lot um, because um, she overhears a customer go up to a seller. And clearly, the idea here is, oh, the big chains they don't have as good customer service as the independent. Well, they, 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 especially early in the film, they explicitly establish that the people that they believe the people working in these big book chain stores don't give a shit about books. Yeah. They are um, just being hired like fast food workers. Yeah. That's the idea that's being pitched to them. Um, and so uh, a customer comes in like, I'm looking for the shoes books. So my, my friend, yeah. she said she likes the shoes books. And the, the other guy goes, I I don't really... What do you mean? I don't really, I don't know. I was just told the shoes books. Do you, do you know, know who, right do, who, do you know who the author is? And he's like, I don't know. And then Meg Ryan, through tears, is like... 
it's, it's, yeah, it's the, the shoe series by Josephine Nardawal. And there's the ballet shoes and the train shoes. And, and the, the theatre shoes. shoes. And I'm, my favourite is the ballet shoes. I That's think you should go start. start with that one. <laughs> and Tom and Caesar. Tom Caesar. Caesar's across the other yeah. end of the... Caesar. And then the, um, the um, guy who's working at the bookshop goes, oh, okay, thanks. How, how do you spell that? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> now, I don't want to talk about this. Yeah. Because... Uh, having spoken to my girlfriend, and maybe it maybe it's different in so the a good States, sample size. But having spoken to one person yeah. <laughs> who has worked in both an independent yeah, bookshop well, and a main bookshop, Jamie, and someone who has, even though I can't read, been in some we big b- bookshops b- and small bookshops. We offer qualitative analysis here. We do not offer quantitative analysis. No, right. no. but this seems like such a wild misrepresentation of who would work in a large-scale bookstore. They make it seem like some fucking dumb shit like me who can't even read has been hired. I want to buy one of those Reed's books. Um, What books? I don't know, the Fellowship of the... Oh, who's that written by? Uh, J.R.O. Tolkien. How do you spell Tolkien? T-U-O-K. Oh, God, can you spell it yourself? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, and having spoken to to Alan, she (laughs) says that there is... Obviously, a difference between the service you'll get in, say, a large-scale bookstore versus a independent bookstore. But the people who work in the large-scale ones also like, like reading. Books. Like, yeah, yeah. I, not I don't like reading, but I'm not a huge reader. I wouldn't go and work in a fucking Waterstones. No. People who go and choose to work in Waterstones probably are people who have a passion for books. In the same way that if you go to like game, the people CX, yeah, the people who work there like video yes, games. Yes, exactly. Like, it may be a big chain. But, but they, they like they exactly. like it. They you know and they have some specialist knowledge. What would generally happen um, is if you're hired in it for an independent bookshop, uh, so I'm told, is they'll look for more niche interests. So yeah. whereas someone who works uh, in a big scale bookstore might know right. the bestsellers and what to recommend yeah. as a general, you know, easiest one for someone who's looking for a book for their eight year old, sure. they might go, oh, there's the David Williams books. They're really great. Here they are. Yeah. Whereas a you know, independent bookseller might know a little bit more. They might be like, oh, David Wellington is good, but there's this smaller one that's nice and better. You'll love it. I think it'd be great. Can I learn a little bit more? So I'm not saying that you wouldn't get better service from an independent bookshop. But the characterization of the people they hire in this in this big workshop is ridiculous. It's like they've just hired someone who didn't even get through, like left school at eight, hasn't read a book since like, 1972. Uh, how, how, how do you spell that? N A. Wait a second. Whoa! What are these N- letters you're N- telling N me? N is the one that goes down and diagonally up. And down again, right? Can you write it down for me? Oh wait, I can't fucking read. Like I, I get what they're trying to do, but That's it's not how you do it. It's up, tagging down, and up yeah. again. See, you're the kind of person who would work in I the down <laughs> And you would work in Fox's bookstore in this imagined universe. So it's, it's making it too much. And like, we'll get into the ideas of like big corporations shutting down bookshops, <laughs> but the characterization of the people working is just ridiculous and completely took me out that it's just fucking dumb shit. Right. It's like, so, oh, what? How do you spell? Where am I going? At this point, they're single and ready to mingle, yeah. okay? And um, she um, gets the flu somehow. The flu. We, we, we just wake She's up sick. on a scene and she just has the Sometimes, flu. Sometimes, Jamie, when you've been holding yourself together for a very long time and it's over, you get sick, yeah. all right? You don't, also, the film doesn't need to Explain how she got sick. Okay, weird criticism. Okay, accept weird criticism. I'll accept that. Um, but he so <laughs> the flu virus originated in Africa in 1800 BC. 
It travelled for thousands of miles to reach America, survived in cold climates, got past the millions of people, and we see the last transmission from one vector to the other. <laughs> and she gets sick of her month. <laughs> Yes, that is what I want to improve this movie. But yeah, she's ill. She's at her home. And um, Joe Fox just turns up at her fucking house. And she's like, uh, no, don't come in. A, I'm ill. And B, I don't want to see you because obviously you shut my business down. You ruined down. my life. You literally ruined my life. You Thank made me in. ill. Um, yeah. uh, and he, uh, someone else comes in. The he building. was sick and gave it to her. <laughs> see, that would make a much better plot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so he, someone else happens to come through the door. So while she's explaining that he can't come in, uh, he just comes to her front fucking door. Um, and then she's like, oh, fuck. And she opens the door and he's like, hey, I got you flowers. I heard you were sick um, from someone. Um, uh, and she's like, oh, okay. And she's desperately trying to clean up the flat. And like, I think he had heard from it over the... I think he's, he's hedging it, I believe, over a message. Oh. I think she's ah. like, I'm ill. And then he was like, cool, I'm going to go. Ah, okay, cool. cool At cool. this point, he's definitely, Tom Hanks is in the, the because I think he had, Remorseful a, he had a conversation with his dad. His dad's, we sort of skipped over this a bit, but his dad had been getting remarried. Um, the stepmom ran away with a nanny. Now the dad's on the big boat next to him. All right. Yeah. And the dad's like, I've never had anyone who I thought was the one. Because if I did, I'd be with her in an instant. At that point, Tom Hanks decides, right, I need to get with um, Meg Ryan. Yeah, and so he goes over, and they have the chemistry that we see yeah. Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan have all the fucking time. Yeah. They have some decent flirtatious banter. He's apologising. He's, he, like, he's trying to he get like, in, like, not, not get in bed, but he's trying to look after her. A bit. Yeah, get, get her back to bed and like look after her, give her the flowers, offers to uh, get her medicine or food or something. He's been a nice guy. Um, he then accidentally runs into her again when she's feeling better. Um, at some point and at this point um, he kind of finagles his way into her talking about the love life about NY152 and she's like she's like embarrassed and is like yeah I met him online it's like oh that's cute Um, and then he starts to give her advice Mm. about how to talk to himself and like it worked but like deliberately Mm. like fucks up online and no like starts criticizing his actions on like she says Mm. she's trying to find out um who he is and uh and in real life he's like he's married he's definitely married that's why he won't tell you he weirdly starts criticizing himself it's i i think he's trying to the way i read it and the way it seems later on is that he would potentially prefer he wants to see if he joe fox Knowing what a he, I think a he Joe Fox wants to wear over because he knows that if one day they do meet up and he's like, "Hey, I'm Joe Fox," there is no way in hell she's gonna no. at, at this point accept that. So on the one hand, he's laying some groundwork. It's like I'm a guy you can rely on. Blah 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 blah. This like, you know, and, and also I think he's genuinely trying to win her over, what's and all. And he's I think he is beginning to you know. So he's playing himself at this point. His main competition is himself. Yeah. Um, they kind of do that. They, they sort of, uh, they're meeting up, they're flirting, he's kind of bantering. He's like, yeah. he keeps, he, they're making a lot of jokes about 100, like, what's the 151 convictions? Like, yes, yeah. Uh, like that stuff, 151 yeah. STDs. That's like, his age. He's yeah. 151. It's actually 152. God, you're such a fake fan of this film. You said it's, 151 earlier in this. No, NY152. You yeah. said N1151 earlier. Oh, uh, look. Someone else who's been listening to this podcast, go just come Guys, and tell us who, who's wrong here. Just, um, just for me, no matter who's actually right, who's right in saying Jamie's wrong. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, they and they like have like about oh, do you want to accidentally run into each other at twelve o'clock next week? Whatever. Slowly, this little friendship is developing, uh, and online he says to um, 
meet up. NY152 says to meet up with Shotgirl. Uh, he decides a time and then he meets up with her in real life like two hours before yeah. that time. And it's like, oh, it's, it's a big time. Oh, you ready? And then as they're sort of walking and they're about to go their separate ways, he goes... He makes the pitch. He makes the pitch. He's like, I, you know, I wish I could have met you. And like, I wish, you know, I, we, we could have met in different circumstances because I would have asked you for your number and asked you to take you to movies. And I really like you. Literally right before he, uh, she's off to meet... Yeah. The fake person she thinks she loves, uh, NY152. Sure. And he pitches her and she's like, I've, I've got to go. She goes... She, she's, uh, she sounds... I, I think that's not, not reductive. Obviously, like, we're trying to get through describing the movie. But, like... She definitely she, sounds... She, 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 she is receptive she, to it. She is appeals to that. And I, I think... Um, she's caught between two minds, basically. She, 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 she does like him. She has kind of been... She has been falling in love with the real him. Yeah. And but she can't not go see this guy. Yeah, because she also is sure. falling in love with him. So she, so she goes to the park, um, and uh, she's she's been told that he's going to come with his dog, um, and so Barkley, uh, and so she hears a dog barking, <laughs> um, uh, and, and sees Tom it, Hanks and then Tom Hanks shouting afterwards, Barley, and Barley. then. She sees Tom Hanks and yeah. she puts two it's not, together. It's not just that she sees the dog, Jamie. There are many dogs in parks. <laughs> it, it is that specifically the dog is called yes. um, And she sees him come around the corner and she's like, oh my God, it's you. And she says... Um, she starts ugly crying. Yeah, she starts ugly crying and goes like, I... Not, I was, it's not judging her crying, but like... I it was is, wishing it, is, it would be you. Yeah, I, I, like yeah I, I wished it would... You know, I, 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 I yeah. was always hoping it would be you. And then they kiss... And then we fade to... Uh, you're forgetting the dog's starting to attack them? Yes. The dog uh, starts to maul them and then they... Yes. Um, <laughs> cuts black. They start to... Uh, yeah. Goes to black and we get uh, the credits. Yeah. So, so, that's uh, the second. end of us discussing... Uh, wait, we'll, what we'll do is we'll take a little pause. Sure. I'll throw Let's in a, a little... Um, little... Dun, 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 hangs bang. And when we come back, uh, we'll have a special guest. Sure. So, see you on the other side. Hangs bang. Hello and welcome back to Hanks Bank, the show where we are continuing to chronologically review Tom Hanks's IMDb. Uh, with me, as always, is my co-host Al Gillespie, uh, and with me, as once before uh, and now again, uh, is Alyssa Music. Say hello, Alyssa Music. Hi. I'm not going to do what Al does, though. <laughs> okay, thank God. Um, so uh, you are here because uh, this is your favourite film, is it not? This is my favourite film in the world, and I have been listening to everything you've said so far. Okay, good. Is that um, why you look so angry? <laughs> <laughs> so um, I would like to say before we get started uh, that this is a safe space. Mm. Uh-huh. That's, most, that's mostly for me, more I than mean, you. I'm right next to um, you. You look um, so mad. <laughs> I don't know if this is a safe space. This is a safe space to express our opinions. Okay. Um, I know that this is your favourite film, and that's fine. And any (laughs) negative comments that may be made about the film are not attacks on you or your opinions or Uh stating that this should not be your favourite film. Okay. But they are indeed criticisms of the film that may be incoming. Just so I have it in my back pocket, what's your favourite film, Jamie? Um, I don't have one. What a cop-out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would have to think for a while. I don't have a film that I would regularly say is my favourite film, so even if I came up with one now, it'd be lying. Fine. Um, so, uh, for uh, new listeners, 
Uh, and for Alyssa, who had to ask this before we started recording, we rank these on three different categories. Um, the top, the film itself out of five, Tom Hanks' performance out of five, uh, the dick meter, Tom Hanks' dick meter, which can go from minus a million to plus a million, that's kind of gone all over the place, um, evaluating how much of a dick Tom Hanks' character is. And then, of course, we decide whether it goes in our Hanks bank. Now... I will start because uh-huh. Al seems Al has put on sunglasses and a hat because he seems very <laughs> scared. Um, I'm glad because I'm. It seems I'm not going to be the only person criticizing this film. Oh no! Um, this film is fine. I enjoyed watching this film. It's very funny. I, it was a lot more funny than uh, Sleepless in Seattle, and is mm-hmm. a lot more funny than other rom coms I have watched. Uh, and Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan have undeniable chemistry and are very good in this film having said that (laughs) there is no character development for anyone else in this film this film is carried to an egregious extent by tom hanks and meg ryan i don't know who anyone else in this film is they are just blank canvases for meg ryan and tom hanks to talk at which is fine because Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan are good but it gets confusing there's an older woman in this film that grabs Tom Hanks's leg in a scene and I don't that's, I that's, think that's, she's his girlfriend's no, mum that's, no, that's, that's, that's his, his dad's yeah. that's his okay yeah. did not know that and it's not clear why she's flirting with him she does that, she does that at the beginning attention. yeah, yeah. She, does, she does make out with him at one point yeah when she drops uh, yeah, off her you son, watching this but... movie? yes I was did you read oh my god <laughs> Alexander I messaged you to say is it a valid criticism that I have no idea who that's the hell right, anyone else is in this film and you said it was a valid criticism you're not the person he makes out within the movie there is very very little character development for anyone else in this film they're kind of just a bunch of rotating characters and it it makes for a worse film for me you know in Toy Story there's not that much character development for anyone except for Buzz and Woody yeah but I they all have defined characters and roles which I don't think yeah. uh, you know the lady who fucked Franco Right. <laughs> we know her. We know Miss Rhode Island from Miss Congeniality. She doesn't okay. have that much of a personality. The fact, the fact that she doesn't he, want to live in Brooklyn. The fact that he had to call her Miss Rhode Island exactly proves my point. <laughs> he was okay. supposed to work by a character in another hey, film. Hey, 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 that's fine, but we still know Frank. There's, fuck there's right. Papa Fox, there's Grandpa Fox, there's, <laughs> there's the Fox, Fox children. <laughs> I would say you are supporting my point, not negating it. Um, additionally, Tom Hanks' character in this film is the biggest dick in the world. And this ties to... There's two points here which really tie together, which are Meg Ryan's actions make no sense because Tom Hanks' character is the biggest dick in the world. When he steals the caviar at the party, it's just an unwildly dickish move. He stands her up and then goes in knowing she thinks she's been stood up to mock her about the fact she's been stood up. By him, uh, the scene in the supermarket, again, I've talked about it. He's a smarmy git. It's not charming at all. It's such a twattish move. He literally barges into her flat when she, in mo- on multiple occasions, he tells her to leave and he does not. He does not leave when she thinks she's been stood up at the restaurant. He does not leave her flat. He turns up at her flat knowing he's unwelcome there and barges in there. No matter how mildly charming he is later on, he is a dick throughout the movie. She should not become friends with Joe Fox. She should not. There's no reason for her to do that. He is a legitimate dick. He puts her out of business, has no remorse for it at all. And 
it's made okay, like, that he puts her out of business because apparently he might fuck good. Um, and additionally, I, I will shut off eventually, I promise, and you will get your opportunity to talk about this film, but I have many things to criticise. Um, so it makes no sense that she becomes friends with Joe Fox, and it makes no sense that she forgives the online persona of Tom Hanks for standing her up. He never gives a legitimate reason for why he does that. He just stands her up and then she forgives him. So it makes it very difficult to support the romantic elements of this film when Tom Hanks is such a fucking wanker. He literally catfishes her. He quite literally catfishes her and emotionally tortures her twice. He emotionally tortures her at the restaurant when he knows he stood her up. And then when he's been catfishing her the entire time and not telling her, like hanging out with her in real person, not telling her that he's also the person he's talking to online, makes her just have to decide in her head between Joe Fox and NY152 when they're the same person. That is literal emotional torture for this woman. He's like, he you know, confesses her real life as Joe Fox, his real life love for her, knowing she is going off to meet someone who she thinks is someone else, but is actually him. That is emotional torture and is unacceptable. It would have been worse if... She also says that she wishes it, she had wished it was him, which means True. that she thought that it might be him. And also, I'm not going to lie, it would have been much more torturous for her if she found out NY152 was the rooftop killer. So. <laughs> That's not a defense! If you're comparing him to a literal murderer! So what would you give us um, that for? Wait, no, 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 I'm not done. <laughs> uh, I'm just about to finish, he says. I'm, I'm, I'm almost done. My final criticism of this right. film is it's literally fucking Sleepless in Seattle. It's the same. It hits so many of the same fucking beats. It's the sa- it is a it is basically a sequel. It hits the it has the exact same structure except this is slightly more funny and slight like I jokingly talked in Sleepless in Seattle about how like she's really stalkerish, but I still put that in my hands bank. I still enjoyed it. His there's no I'm not joking here. His actions are shitty and he's a shitty human being. Like the stalking in Sleepless in Seattle is a joke and I get why it works and it's fine. This is not fine. He is not an okay human being. He treats this woman like garbage throughout the film and she should not be happy that it's him at the end. He is a garbage human being. Having said that, I'll give this a three. It's a perfect, it's a perfectly fine film. I have lots of criticisms of it, but it's a perfectly fine film. I did enjoy it. Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan like have undeniable chemistry and are very good and are very lovable, which is what kind of masks over all the shittiness that I've just pointed out. Um, but yeah, I'd give it a three. I will now sit back. Go ahead, Al. Okay. I'll hear all of your opinions first. Okay. That's great. Dear listeners, dear listeners, I'm in hell. <laughs> <laughs> just speak your truth, Al. Right. Uh, two things. Mm, yeah, One, t- t- Jamie's girlfriend who reads books and has worked in a bookshop, please make Jamie read Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> I find his reaction to the dickish uh, Mr. Fox uh, hilarious and would love to see his reaction to the dickish Mr. Darcy. It is basically the same character. Cool, I'm and sure I would also have the same criticism I'm sure, of Pride and Prejudice. But I would like to see you make these same criticisms of Pride oh, and Prejudice. But, uh, if just because the, the fans of Pride and Prejudice are more diehard than Lissa is to this film. And oh, right God, now she's I'm holding worried. a knife to my throat. Uh, look, uh, 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 some of my criticisms I have... Can you please? No, that's why you put on the sunglasses. You can't also ask me to not look at you. One second. Just let me... No, get off. This is fun for me. I, I, like, I'm just glad I'm not going to be in the most trouble after this because I can leave. Right. <laughs> I disagree with a lot of your criticisms on, okay. the, on the basis of, can you please not try? 
I, I, I would like to give an image uh, for our dear listeners. Al has put um, a fluffy jacket over his head to create uh, an almost cave-like structure to block out Alyssa while Alyssa tries to peer around the corner yeah, yeah. at him. Stop it! And keeps on touching him and it makes him uncomfortable. It does. Stop. No, that sounds worse. Stop. Okay. Right, please. Okay. Okay. I disagree with you on the basis of, like, I think... Yeah, on the Pride and Prejudice thing, like, I think... And, and the whole, like, this is very similar to um, Teeps in Seattle. Like, it, structurally, a lot of these kind of movies are very similar. But I also think that's true of most genre films. Like, I think a lot of, like, action movies have the very yeah. similar pl- plot beats. And I don't think that's necessary. I wouldn't mark that against it. I, I think the reason why you see so much similarity between the two is obviously, like, they're written by the same person. They are very... And, like, Nora Ephron's dialogue, I love. But it, she's always writing in Nora, like, yeah. Nora Ephron language, right? Yeah, yeah. It's very much like a Woody Allen film in that kind of sense. Um, like, it's all these characters are somewhat proxies for his voice or elements of his voice. And even when it's kind of divergent in terms of characterization and stuff, it, the, 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 it's not like they're, they're gifted in picking up naturalistic dialogue. It is dialogue, which is stylized and it's always going to be in Nora Ethan's voice. And as you say, it's really funny. I do think it's a really funny film. I think it's a, it's a highlight. My issues with it are <laughs> largely political uh, for a movie that, Basically, in which I guess we're meant to accept that small businesses die. Yeah, oh, I didn't even And talk that's about a good that. thing because then she gets to write a book. Exactly, yeah. She, Let's she, talk she gets about good what. She hype, and so it's fine that her business. No, no, no. <laughs> and personally, like, like on a professional level, she goes off and we uh, went over this. She then had time to write a children's book. That's great, I guess. But let's talk about the amount of money she's going to get from her children's book. Not even if it's a bestseller. Like, realistically, she's not getting very well paid for it. Um, especially in the children's book industry, where most of the time when you write these kind of things, you need to have an illustrator work alongside with you, unless she's writing a, like a formal novel. And so even in those cases, you're, the, the money's getting split. This is not a great financial boom for her. It's not like she's been held back for most of her life by owning the bookstore. It's not like she's like, oh, this was a burden my mother put on me. She loved that bookstore. She really, really loved the bookstore with all her might. She wanted to pass it on to her daughter. And she never gets to do that because of big business. Now, look, I'm not, I'm not, the, the hardest left person. I don't believe that capitalism is inherently bad. <laughs> I think, you but the capitalism half of our listeners. But the capitalism. Yeah, it's true. I'm sorry to all the communists out there. Uh, season means productions, and of course, by which I mean bookstores. <laughs> <laughs> but very much in this film, it puts out that Fox's bookstores are not good. It doesn't believe they're good. The film doesn't like that. Sure. Which politically, in this kind of thing where. She gets decimated. I feel that actually the film doesn't set up enough uh, emotional torment over that. It, it has like a scene where she's sick and she's feeling crap about it, and then she writes the book and she's yeah, fine. And then she gets good pipe and she's like, "Oh, it's fine." And I, I think that's true of a lot of this. Um, it's, if we're going to compare it to Sleep in Seattle, I think that's a fair comparison, obviously, because they're written by the same person, they're starting the same actors. Sleep in Seattle is a tough movie, right? These people who may be soulmates, who may be like even Tom Hanks' second soulmate, only meet because his first wife dies. That's an incredibly painful process over which like he changes as a person. He becomes more of a dick because of it. There are repercussions for these events. For her, she's in New York with her boyfriend trying to put this out of her mind. She's up there on the Chrysler building with him. She's looking across at whatever building it was, looking across at the uh, Empire State building and she realizes that actually she won't be happy in life unless she does it. And so she breaks up with him and it's not, He's upset. He's not crying. He's not shouting. But he is upset because there are emotional stakes in that yeah. film. His kid runs off. He goes to New York because he's only child. The last 
family he has alive has fled and he's terrified and you get that and in this film they both break up both these couples break up and it's it's not a problem they are having an emotional affair so if we go from the political and the political level is it's kind of a mess. Like, I don't know why it brings up what is effectively like big business versus small business. And then at the end kind of goes, rewards. that, yeah, the, that last, the last third of the movie, that is irrelevant. Yeah. It is not a, a sticking point for them. She just gets over it. Yeah. On a personal level, the stakes are non-existent. It is basically like they're having an affair. And I get this in the early days of the internet. And sure, maybe the idea of an emotional affair being conducted over like text and, and uh, being conducted over the internet wasn't so much of a thing. And they don't feel like they're cheating. But these two people are cheating on their partners. Yeah. And that's a bad thing. And there are no repercussions. There are no difficult conversations they need to nope. have. There is nothing that in this film, in a film which I think what I quite like, acknowledges that the film, that relationships can have friction. They can have, they can have sparks. They can have like two personalities that sometimes have arguments and that to be an okay relationship. And they can have someone insulting their partner's favorite film almost directly to their face and having it hey, recorded. Hey, 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 <laughs> As deliberately away from their face as possible. But my issue is that I like that there is friction between these two characters. I think that's fine. My issue is that for the rest of it, it feels like the movie is designed to remove as much friction as possible because it wants us to not feel bad about this relationship. It doesn't want us to think, hey, are there any issues here? Do do we want anything other than a kind of saccharine ending? No. And because that, I think, would have made this movie, hey, like, don't review the movie you got rather than review the movie you want. But, like, (laughs) <laughs> wow, you are close to my face. Unlike in um, Sleepers in Seattle, where there are costs for everything. Like, he gives up his actual relationship with this woman with the, in Sleepers in Seattle with, with his partner, who is fine, who is nice, but he stops it because of his love for his child, not for his love for Meg Ryan. And at the end, it ends literally upon the meeting. There was no kiss in Sleepers in Seattle. There is the hope of a future. We have this lack of friction, all this kind of stuff. It can, this big, we have what feels like a political build-up in the sense of big versus small business, whatever. And then we get to the last third of the movie and it's they become friends and it drags out. And it drags out because unlike in Sleepers in Seattle, it feels like it wants to come to them to have a kiss rather than for it to end what I think Sleepers in Seattle did so perfectly, which is it ends at the beginning. And this too sort of ends at the real beginning, except they've been having an emotional affair and it doesn't deal the reckoning of that and the last third just drags on and it, not not awfully but there's a good like 30 minutes of this movie where I'm like you've lost all the tension we had at the point where where she's crying in in this Fox's bookshop right and he's watching her crying and that then in that point in the film there are stakes there is real emotional weight to this everything is is I believe quite you know, set up for a, for a more of a, a packed packed finish. And to be fair, I liked the last scene, right? The whole, like, I watched it to be you, I found that emotionally moving. But the the 20 minutes, 25 minutes it takes to get from she's crying in the bookshop to I wished it was you, I feel... I, I didn't work for me. That, that that didn't work. And and also the whole political stuff. So, personally... Um, what, what, I, you, uh, what, what are you going to give it out of five? I give it. Th- I give it a three. Three. Okay. Um, but I love I, my girlfriend, and I love that she loves this movie. Okay. Um, I will now invite Alyssa to to never thought my girlfriend tell us why we are wrong. I would also like to uh, apologize mm-hmm. to you. Um, 
because I was convinced that Al would like this movie and I this would be so too. yeah I really thought this was going to be more of a you two shouting at me which would have made me feel fine mm. but now it feels really mean that we've invited you on this podcast <laughs> no I think someone someone needs to speak yes the this, truth this here, is why so. this is why we need someone to stick up for I this mean, movie I will just start by saying in like the last five minutes of this movie when Tom Hanks kind of says, oh, like, if we had met, um, and this wasn't... No, I know that. But in in that (laughs) section, in that section, he says, oh, I wish, like, you know, the biggest thing we could fight over is a movie. And she goes, oh, we'd never fight over a movie. Like, (laughs) (laughs) That is is maybe the best delivered joke said on this podcast. (laughs) Anyhow. Um, so, you guys had a couple of fundamental issues. One being, like, this whole political thing. Like, sure. (laughs) It's bad to put small business owners out of business. But both of you have gone on about how, and while this is kind of true, how much she loved this store, it was important to her, she wanted to pass it on to her daughter. She really did. She really did, but also, (laughs) if you go back to the scenes where she's having her writings with NY152, she talks quite a lot about how she feels sometimes... Like, she's lived this really small life, and she's been really afraid to be brave. And not to justify big business being bad, but the fact that the shop closed down enabled her to do something quite brave and have to start new. So, I just want to say, I just want to say, Jamie. Yep. If Jeff Bezos and Ellen started a relationship over Twitter, (laughs) over anonymous accounts... (laughs) Would you feel the power balance there if Jeff Bezos meant that Ellen lost her job? <laughs> would make for a healthy relationship. Yeah, it would be healthy. <laughs> you know what? Whatever. You know, Kathleen Kelly's going to live a great life after this. It seems like Joe sure, Fox has a bum. Al, we know that you've been dating a raging Tory all these years. No, so it's no. Fine. Definitely not. I will. I'm definitely not a Tory. But <laughs> in the context of this film, like, just take it for what it is. It's just a nice movie and we can just forget about the like him taking over her business because you know what at the end of the day she gets to do something brave he doesn't he doesn't take over a business he crushes a 40 year old family business what it happens okay (laughs) oh big business list so small boy bitch boy real man out big business list so what else did you guys not like about the film? The oh, that he, like, minutes. led her... Oh, yeah, the last 30 minutes. Okay, actually. So, well, okay. a few things. One, that he would... Act, no, this all ties together. Okay. So, you don't oh. like that Tom Hanks was an asshole in this film. Um, and you don't like the last 30 minutes. And then Just Jamie was also like, oh, I didn't like that no one else had growth. One, I don't care about anyone else. This is a <laughs> film about Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. Okay. The other people are wonderful, like, comedic supporters that enable some good jokes and help them be, like, I don't know, they're a bit of a sounding board. Whatever. Yeah, I can recognize One that. One of the reasons point. I think this movie is fantastic is because both characters actually have like a humongous amount of growth throughout the film. And that happens in the last 30 minutes. That's why I like the last 30 minutes, is when Tom Hanks stops being a dick, has some remorse, <laughs> tries to win her over, so, and she has this like cool new life. And it's quite interesting. Here's my thing, right? If we're comparing this to Pride and Prejudice, and I think very much the character Joe Fox feels like it's working off a Mr. Darcy yeah. archetype. In Pride and Prejudice, Elizabeth is won over by him, somewhat, by, like, he seems like a better person. She goes to Pemberley. Jamie, I'm sorry, this is just going over your head. Yeah, no, no, sorry. She, she goes to attention. Pemberley, and she realizes that in Pemberley, <laughs> people don't think of him as a dick. People think of him as this really nice guy. He's really noble, blah, 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 blah. His, his... But 
what really what really clinches it for her is that he goes out and saves her sister. Well, not saves her sister, but but yeah, effectively stops um, Wickham from ruining his sister's reputation. He he saves her sister, right? He saves their family's reputation. He does something for her. Okay. She there is no counterbalancing on that scales. There is okay. no like if she had a second thing where like if he had maybe I don't know helped secure a book deal or like um, he had. Uh, she got a grant from some like big foundation or whatever to like write her book and he helped to try and get that grant for her or you know not even by like saying here's getting the money but instead by going and giving like a letter of recommendation saying like this woman wrote you know it was the the most it was that it loves children's books more than anything she should get this grant blah 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 i would feel that the scales would be rebalanced somewhat okay i'm just gonna ignore that comparison <laughs> <laughs> i like that was too long and we don't need it you just need to get over I've yourselves. never had someone criticise our podcast in real time. <laughs> we get these criticisms a lot in real life, dude, listeners. <laughs> you just need to put that behind you, and it's just a nice story, and it's funny, and it's romantic, and I will say I was really disappointed. The only thing that was disappointing about my viewing experience when I watched it with Al <laughs> was at the end, I was kind of like giving Al a little hug and I was crying and I was trying to listen to see if he was crying too. <laughs> and I can assure you he was not. And that did ruin it a bit for me. But <laughs> okay, I just want to say, if I cried everything and I didn't cry at this film... Yeah, that kind of says a lot about this it film. It says there's something a little bit wrong with you. I cry no, at most He films. literally cries at so many things. I know, I know. I don't know what your problem is. I think this is a five-star film. I love when Brinkley attacks them at the end. It's cute. The... Ugh. I, yeah, everyone loves know. it when a dog starts to hump you. Yeah, It wasn't humping them. It was. Anyways, five-star film. I think people just need to not read into it so much. Just appreciate it for what it is. Turn off your brains, guys. <laughs> Turn off your brains and open your hearts. I don't, wow. I, I think this might be the show where we finally get cancelled out. Yeah. <laughs> for inviting Alyssa on and then just screaming at her about why she's wrong. I'm going to say, we're just doing fine, it's fine. That's fine, people can disagree. Tight, look, I just, I look, I'm just a centrist, guys, and I really think we should all get along. You, you know, there are people you can politically disagree with and still be friends with them, it's a fine. house divided can't stand. <laughs> This is the political issue of I'm our generation. suggesting you're the Confederates and I'm Abraham Lincoln. Well, right. I think so, that's not a great comparison. <laughs> uh, on to Tom Hanks' performance. Uh, out of five, but not really out of five, we go higher. I fucking love Tom Hanks in this film. As much as he's a dick, I think, he's, I think this is genuinely one of my favourite things I've seen him in. I think he's really, really good. I think he does things that I really... Like, the smarmy gittishness, I think, works for the character. I don't think it's necessarily what they're going for, which is what... Well, no, because I, I think a lot of things that are intended to be charming, I don't find charming, but I more associate with the awful capitalist that he is actually playing. I don't think we're meant to find him charming at the grocery store. I'm sorry, that that cashier is basically it's ready American to fuck him. Guys, American show. But we're meant to find that funny, because the second he walks away and Rose's face falls... It's, like, funny, because it's like, oh, why was everyone so swayed by this asshole? I don't think we're meant to find okay. that. Either way, <laughs> he's a dick, and I think he's a dick throughout, um, and is emotionally torturing and catfishing this woman. However, I think he's playing an emotional torturer and a catfisher very, very well. So, um, it's difficult, because I think there are aspects of the performance that I don't click with what they were intending, but I still think it's effective for my enjoyment of the film. So, I don't know what to give it. I really enjoy him in this film. I think he's really, really good. I don't think I can quite give him a six. I don't think it's necessarily... Because I'm not enjoying it in the way intended, but I think I can solidly give it a five. I think he's really, really fucking good in this film. And, and it's like... 
without Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, this film is just abhorrently awful. It's just so bad without the ineffable charm of, and chemistry of those two people, which has been developed over three films. So it, they, they are the saving graces of this film. Um, Al is passing over to Alyssa. You're breaking order, Al. Yeah, you are. I, okay. I'm not um, ready. So, uh, uh, yeah, um, I think people... Uh, I know I had Whiplash going from uh, Saving Private Ryan to this. Yes, it, it, it's, it's very weird that he chooses to do this film I, at this point in his career. I think it's... Uh, very middle of the road and give it three. Right. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Okay. Um, and that's having loved him in Sleepers in Seattle. Uh, Alyssa, what would you give Tom Hanks out of five or higher in this film? He's a 10 out of five. He obviously <laughs> like portrays the asshole really well, but then also... We have really a specific meter for that. Then, no, but then he's also... <laughs> he's also so likable at the same time, like towards the second half of the film and you're really rooting for him. So you know what? You mean right. that 20 minutes like, I said I could do without. Yeah, but I, I disagree with you. Okay. So, <laughs> so um, I'll ignore that as well. So moving swiftly along because I want to leave this house as soon as possible <laughs> because I think I'm about to have a domestic start. Um, the Tom Hanks dick meter. Um, oh, he's the biggest dick we've ever had. It's, it's not even fucking close. He's a royal fucking arsehole in this film. He is... A catfisher. He's an emotional torturer. He's a capitalist. Well, no, I'm, no I'm, I'm throwing out that he's not catfishing her in the sense that they are both anonymously having these conversations. But no, but eventually like, he knows who she is and she doesn't know who he is. Sure, but and, he's not, and, what, like, he's, what he's not doing is he's not saying, "By the way, I live in New Jersey and my name's Steve," and that that's catfishing, right? Mm. He may be leading her, like misleading but her, but he's not catfishing. Her. He's lying catfishing by is omission. Like, no, he, sure, that's not ca- catfishing. Is like lying about your identity on okay. the internet to like to, to sneak someone in. He's not doing that. Okay, cool. Well, maybe I was just using a term that we all recognise and understand. I don't, rather no, than going I'm saying that you're long... using it wrong. It does, oh I'm my you're, god, Jamie, I can say that he's like. Like, I don't know, he's physically abusing her. That doesn't mean he is physically <laughs> abusing her in this film. We can throw terms around, which we all recognise, but that doesn't mean they're right here. But people know what I mean! He's, no, li- he's, he's lying. lying to he's her. Lying. He's, her. Sure, yeah. he's lying to her. He's lying to her. And he's emotionally abusing her. Men on times. And just literally bullying her at points. He's an awful fucking human being. Um, overall, we have seen Tom Hanks play two Joes alongside Meg Ryan. Joe Fox in this, and Joe in Joe versus the Volcano, and the wrong Joe throws himself in a volcano. He is a seven out of five in this film. He's the worst person we've seen him play. Um, I strongly disagree. Once again, I, I don't think it counts. I, don't, I wouldn't identify as emotional abuse in that, like, they are having an argument. She, she In most of those scenes, pretty much all those scenes, she throws back immediately afterwards and with him as much intensity as he does. Yeah, like, but she has reason but, to. No, but, well, she has reason to in that she... No, he doesn't! She, in that she's being a dick to him, yes. No, he is always no, the instigator I, of the dickishness. He's always the no, instigator of the dickishness. No, it's not. That, that, I, I disagree with that in the sense that when they... In the first conversation, they're having a really good time, it's fine. The dickishness just only starts upon her learning about its oh, yeah. surname, right? But, but so valid that, criticism. Well, well, sure, but like... Because at the same, he's a dirty, disgusting capitalist. Sure, oh. but at the same time, I don't think it's... Uh, so in, in that sense, they're having an argument. I don't think it's like... I wouldn't classify it as emotional abuse. Like, especially, like, I don't think he's, like, going, like, sneaking into her thing and being like... If, if it was the case that he was, like, what he did was, like, it was it, he was just a bigger shop, rather than being, like, a chain, and he was going in from across the road and being like, hey, guys, we're selling all these books, but we're going to do it for 99% off, because this dumb slut over here isn't worth <laughs> shit. That would be emotional abuse if he was doing that, like, day after day. That's instead, the first use of the word slut on this podcast. <laughs> instead, they, um, instead, they have arguments, and the arguments get heated. Um, and more important... So, because of that, 
I don't think he actually tortures anyone in this movie. Uh, he's just kind of a dick, but ends up being kind of sweeter at the end and does try and improve himself, so three. Three. Oh. Yeah, three across the board. Interesting. I would say he changes throughout the film. I think it's a sliding scale. Starts much worse, so I think he starts at a five. Sure. But then I think he slides to a three by the end. Because of that crucial 20-minute you segment. Are you going to pick an average of the two, or are you going to pick him by his, his end result? Mm. I'll go for an average. I'll say four. Cool. Um, I would like to also say that I feel like someone being a dick to someone for a long time and then just doing one nice thing does not it was, negate. Well, no, 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 it's, not, it's not one nice thing. Nice it's, thing. It's, it's, it's months. But, it's months, months. if not a year of long but conversations again, but again, my point is, and it makes no... This is going back to my dislike, like, aspect of what I think don't make sense for the film. She should never allow him back into her Yeah, but I mean, everyone can be an asshole. When you think back to yourself when you're four, she she shut down her business. (laughs) It's a, how many fucking businesses have you shut down, Melissa? Well, seven or eight, but but that's that's, This is is the issue of my, like, this is my issue of the film politically, is that the the central metaphor is that love is like capitalism. That love is a, like, (laughs) effectively a zero-sum game where you win or Or you you lose. And that, like, because in, in reality, like, he doesn't actually shut down her store, right? The market shuts down her store. <laughs> oh, yeah. wow, you're sounding a lot more like no, 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 big no. business but I, here. But, no, but I don't like the market. I think the market's dumb and, like, that's why governments come in and fix some of these things. Um, but, but I just... I, and because of that, like, I don't... As much as she, like... I think ultimately what happened is the customers went away. It wasn't that he was doing anything, like... That's just the changing tide of, like, commerce. And, like... It sucks. I don't like it. I think it's bad, but I don't think it is a. As he keeps saying, it isn't personal. Now, actually, and but also, as she recognizes to him that, like, well, businesses can start personal, right? Like, all businesses at some point were personal. So there is this. There is a gray zone in that. And I don't like the way that gray zone is just not concluded whatsoever. But I don't think that's a sustained period of. Uh, I don't think that means he's not going out of his way to close her store. It is just he opened a store, and that is. And the, unfortunately, the market sucks, and people are terrible, and more. don't care about quality. Um, so basically, I hate consumers. Um, <laughs> and I like cheap books. Yeah. So uh, Alyssa would fuck Jeff wow. Bezos. Is what she's oh, saying. Oh, you're an awful. Ah, oh, Ellen. When Ellen, you're not following Ellen's advice. I, I, what, Buy independent. I, what, I, I, what you're saying is that uh, in this situation, and you're having a love affair with Jeff Bezos, I'm the guy who's on TV and a dick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I mean. <laughs> Are you having an affair with Jeff Bezos? Please, ladies and gentlemen, who live in Seattle, no. if you hear that Liz is over there suspiciously by herself, assume that she's having an affair with the world's richest man. And, and um, you know what? Can you blame her? But you would, be the, a... you would be the one on TV doing this like political spiel. She was thinking... still having an affair before oh he did God. that. Right, let's right. move on to... Is, in the is it in the Hanks Bank? No, it's not going in my Hanks Bank. I'm sorry, Alyssa. Sleepless in Seattle did go in my Hanks bank. That's my only defense. Well, actually, it's not my only defense. My other defense is this is his worst, worst reviewed film from 1990 to 2004. It's his worst reviewed film from Bonfire of the Vanities to The Lady Killers. Well. So I'm not saying you are incorrect. I'm just saying you can't attack me and say I'm incorrect because I'm closer to the average. I'm saying the average is dumb. Okay. Al, is this going in your Hanks bank? So Alyssa can't put stuff in the Hanks bank, obviously. Yes, she can. Can you? Yeah, well, I'm gonna, yeah. she's going to have her own personal Hanks bank for this. Just one movie? Yeah. Cool. All right. In it's going to be a perfect Hanks bank. One movie perfect. in there, nothing else. 
Wouldn't it be great if I didn't even put it in? <laughs> so, Al, no, you, you do not try to put this in your fucking hangspank on Alyssa's behalf. No, what I was going to say is it was her birthday yesterday, of course. If as a yeah, birthday yesterday, gift, I don't give a shit about I, her birthday it's now. Not like the I weekend. offered as a birthday gift yesterday that she would have the ability to put something in my hangspank if she so wished. No, um, she is going to have her own hangspank. Right, sorry, make your Jamie own. Your birthday. No, no make your own. I am, I am revoking your birthday present to Alyssa. Make your own decision. Stop being a you, spineless cuck. You cannot. <laughs> do that and you cannot use that word anymore i yes, hate I, it sorry <laughs> i think that's the most shamed i've ever yeah, felt no, normally i say it and it makes you stronger which is the weird thing <laughs> yes no no i, I felt very very <laughs> uncomfortable with yes. Alyssa admonishing me um look I, I think the issue is of of the speak your truth of the of the the nor yes. and and um uh, and uh tom hanks films of which there are definitely these two. There may be one afterwards. Um, I just think Sleepless in Seattle is a vastly superior film. Oh, this isn't an either-or situation. No, but what I'm saying is, if I'm going to Aliens in Space and saying, these, Look, are, these no, are films... We've already the shown humanity. them Sleepless in Seattle. There is no point in us showing them this film. Yeah, I, I, I just think that, like, while I actually think it's... Here's the thing, and I, I gave this out of threes. I think similar to Jamie, I, like... I think a lot of rom-coms are like in the three to four category. I think there are very few like hardcore five-star rom-coms. But I think rom-coms more than most genres actually are really enjoyable at the three-star level. Yeah, I, that, again... That's not I, me saying don't I go... I enjoyed this that's film. Not me, that's not me saying don't see I would recommend people to watch this film. Mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. But not the aliens. Hmm. I'm no, not, not saving... This is saving humanity. What? So it's not going it's in not, your hands. No, it's not going <laughs> That's all we needed. This is already our longest episode. Alyssa, I've got a really tough question for you. Is this film that we've brought you on this podcast specifically to talk about because it's your favourite film going in your Hanks Bank? Of course. It's the best. And I think my Hanks Bank is the best of anyone's because it only has one perfect movie, so... Oh, you know what? And it doesn't have volunteers in there, so... So, yeah. Yeah, it's much better than my Hanks Bank. So, when uh, we don't put something in our Hanks Bank, we have to decide what's going to save humanity this week. Um, Al, uh, I've got mine, so um, you can have a minute to think. If it's going to be a jokey one, that would be great because for once, mine's going to be sincere. Um, inspired by my girlfriend and by this film uh, independent bookshops I think are going to save humanity this week uh, even as someone who is not the biggest reader I will. I always love going with other people to independent bookshops especially people who are really passionate about books because it brings so much joy to people there is such a, a genuine passion for literature and they're always such lovely places to just be. Even uh, uh, one of my favorites was in LA. Uh, I think it's like the last bookshop. Yeah. Um, it was just a lovely place to be. Even as someone who is not a huge reader, uh, there is just uh, an undeniable charm and atmosphere and ambiance uh, to independent bookshops. So uh, don't be like me. Don't be like Alyssa. Don't buy books from Jess Bezos. He has enough money. Uh, go and support your local independent bookshop. Uh, and that's what's going to save humanity this week. Al, what have you got for me? Um, so very much upon a similar line um, look I think what this film teaches us uh, and what we have learned from uh, decades of use and abuse and Mark Zuckerberg uh, standing in front of the Senate and Google almost being broken up uh, by antitrust but not being broken up because it turns out these companies have way too much power the internet sucks <laughs> I know you listen to this because of the internet that's great it sucks it's terrible what is the opposite of an internet? A good book. And as such... <laughs> That's not the opposite of an internet. Yes, I don't... I, I don't really but think it is. But you can get a good book from the internet. That doesn't mean... 
You can get literally what did I road. just say, Alyssa? <laughs> I'm sorry, Amazon is just so convenient. Sure, uh, but, but authors are making less money on it. Like people working there are treated in horrible conditions, and like Jeff Bezos is getting richer than God and spending that money on stupid stuff. Yeah. For the record, I do buy books and shops. Uh huh. I'm sure. Sometimes. Sometimes. For the record, I barely ever buy books. And so. when you don't buy them, you only buy them at a good bookstore. So I guess Jamie's ethically more pure. No, I literally ordered two books from Amazon <laughs> today, <laughs> and one's coming. Today, what I'm going to suggest <laughs> people yeah. go out and read is a book called The Go Between. Um, it's a brilliant book. I really love it. It's a story uh, about connection. It's a story about it's similar to this about letters, but unlike in this, you don't get to read those letters. It is about a young child uh, who goes on holiday uh, to a rich friend's house and who uh, carries letters between uh, the friend's elder sister and the local farmer. Um, it begins with the, uh, my, I think probably the best opening line in all of the literature, which is, uh, the past is a foreign country, they do things differently there. Um, it's perfect. Unlike this movie. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, and you didn't even give me my birthday gift an, in your bank. Such an unnecessary slam right yeah. at the end. We got past it, Al. I need another <laughs> birthday present. I thought at least I would get to be your like thing-saving humanity since you wronged me. Oh, oh that would have been so sweet. Oh, you fucked up, mate. Oh, anyway, oh, moving I on. I wouldn't have done that, but you wouldn't have heard it for six weeks. <laughs> I would have heard it now. Um, I'll yeah. do it next week. It's Again, I, I would like to give you more shit on the air. Sorry, I'm not just attacking you. But literally, before you claim you're a fan of the show, and we joke, we like joke, and we do it as a joke, it is a joke. that you're a bad listener of this podcast and you're 14 weeks behind. But you literally had to ask us what the three ratings we do I the fucking film. I wanted to be prepared. Jimmy, what? No, there's three ratings, exactly. and then we decide whether it goes in our hangs bank. That's not a rating. Uh, that's a binary rating. Yeah, you're <laughs> yeah, you're one or nay. zero. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe listen tomorrow. Like the to guys. I, I'm just look. I'm just saying. Bet my fucking girlfriend knows what we rate the films out of. And moving on from that, as always, please follow us on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Jamie P. Loxton. Uh, Al is at Al underscore C's underscore stuff. You can follow us at, at Hanks Bank Pod. Uh, the World Cup of Bread is officially over, so I can't uh, plug that anymore. Uh, Alyssa has a Twitter. She barely uses it. Oh, no, please. I honestly don't know what it is. Okay, cool. <laughs> Not plugging that. I was trying to throw you a bone. I haven't got that. Uh, Go do ballet classes, I guess. I don't know. That's plugging something you do. Uh, are go interested in. Go for a run. There you go. That's Alyssa's Exercise. plug. Exercise. Exercise is Alyssa's plug. Uh, and of course, and um, steal your friends' phones and download all of the podcasts. But then please give their phone back. Do not steal their phone permanently. Uh, otherwise, Al is going to get in even more debt and legal trouble. Uh, anything you want to say before we send ourselves out, Al? Oh. From me, Jamie, and my co-host Al, that's one more ep in the bank! Oh shit, wait!